This is Dr. Miles Monroe, welcoming you to the opportunity to transform your life. Did you know that you possess the power and the responsibility to determine your future and destiny? Did you know that you are the sum total of the choices and decisions you make every day? However, the ability to make the right decisions for a life that leads to your God-given destiny depends on your quality of knowledge. Self-development demands self-discipline. It is our desire to see your life transform through the message on this tape. Prepare to receive as we join this opportunity to grow and expand as we inspire you and motivate you to achieve your greatest in God's purpose for your life. Sit back now and listen to a message that is designed to destroy ignorance and empower you to become an effective human on this planet as you inspire others to reach their highest potential. Let us join the seminar in progress. The theme that I'm going to focus on this year. I want you to get your Bible and a notebook. Write some things down in the next few minutes while we're together. I want to speak on the concepts of the kingdom of God. I want to focus on the kingdom focus of Jesus. And I will continue this next week because I know I won't get through a lot of this today. But I want to talk about understanding the characteristics of the kingdom. When we hear the word kingdom, we still, I think, battling with this concept because many of us still don't understand it. So I want to begin with a statement. If you can write this statement down. Listen carefully. If you can write it down, it will be helpful. God never intended to have a religion, but a kingdom. God never intended to have a religion, but rather a kingdom. Now this statement is very loaded, because the word intend is the exact same word in Hebrew as purpose. In other words, God's original purpose was never to have a religion, but to have a kingdom. How do we know this? If you read God's mission statement, his mission statement for his project called Mankind is written in Genesis chapter 1. You can turn there for a moment. We come back to Matthew 13. Here's God's mission statement. And if you want to know what a person is about, any company, any organization, any group, it's important to read their mission statement and to read their vision statement. So let's read God's mission statement. Genesis 1:26. And God said, let us make man in our own image and in our likeness. Here's God's mission statement. And let them have dominion over the fish, the birds, the plants, the cattle, Watch the next statement. And over all the earth. Everybody say earth. And over everything that creeps along the ground. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. 
male and female created he them. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish, and subdue the earth. Watch the next statement. Read it. And have dominion over all the earth. Okay. So I think we got it clear. We're clear? God's mission statement is, man will be a species that will have dominion over planet earth. Is that clear there? Is that clear? Now please notice what's not in those two verses. Number one, no prayer. No singing. No choirs. No apostles. No prophets. No preachers. No teachers. No pews. No worship. And yet God says, this is good. Ha! I like that. God says, here's why I made man. My mission is not to have a religion. My mission is to have a family of sons that look just like me in character and nature and spirit. And they are dominating a planet called Earth. That's God's mission statement. So his vision, everybody say vision. A vision is a visual picture of your purpose. So God's mission is what? To rule, to dominate the earth through his sons called mankind on the earth. His vision then was he saw, God saw himself never coming to earth. His vision is he's in heaven, the kids on earth, and there's this planet called earth. And the kids are fulfilling his desires through them on earth. That's God's vision. Therefore, what God really wanted then was a kingdom. There's a word. I want you to write the word where kingdom comes from. The word kingdom in the Bible is the word basilia. Very important word. Please write this down. It's an important word to you. If you are a teenager, write this word down twice. The word basilia is the word that is translated kingdom in the Bible. In the Hebrew text, Old Testament, and the Greek text, New Testament, the meaning root of the word is the same. The word kingdom is basilia. And the word basilia primarily means and denotes Three major concepts. One, it means sovereignty. Secondly, it means royal power. I like that. And thirdly, it means dominion. Wow. Interesting. Can you repeat these three words, these statements aloud for me, please? Number one, what does kingdom mean? Basilia, it means what? Sovereignty, it means what? Royal power, and it means what? Dominion. Okay. So, where do we find the word dominion? When we read the Bible just now. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. What is that word related to? Mankind. What did God say? Let us make man, that's you, in our own image. That's his nature. And let them have basilia. What is basilia? The same word as kingdom. So what you can do is take that word out and simply put the word in. Let us make man in our own image and in our likeness and let them have what? Kingdom over the fish, the birds, the trees, the plants, and over the earth. Let's put the other words in. Can we do it? Let's try it. Let's see if you're a good student. 
Let us make man in our own image and our likeness and let them have what? Royal power over all the earth. Boy, feeling better, hey? Let's put the other one in. Let us make man in our own image and let them have what? Dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over all the earth. That's what God had in mind. God never had a choir in mind. He never had a worship service like this in mind. This is not God's perfect will. What we're doing now is not God's perfect will. How many of you ever took your car to the mechanic to be maintained or repaired? Can I see your hands? All those of Okay, good. You did? Really? Is it still there? Did you leave it there when you took it there? You sure? Did you go back and get it? Really? So why did you send it to them? To be repaired, to be fixed. Okay. So why you went back for it? Why? Because it's mine. Good, I like that. Because it's mine. What else? Because it's fixed. Okay. Guess what? What we're doing now is a mechanic job. You get it? Church is God's workshop. Trying to fix humanity back. You don't leave the car in the workshop. God's trying to repair us. To bring us back to where we came from. We fell from dominion. My job as a teacher of the word. And as an apostle of this ministry. And as a pastor of the church. And as a prophetic visionary of this ministry. My job is to retrain you to think like that. Royal power. That's the problem. So where we are now is not permanent. That's why the Bible says the day will come when tongues will cease. And prophecies will cease. And preaching will cease. And you will need no man to teach you. Why? God, I'm going to get rid of this thing you guys call church. Because this is not the permanent condition. He said, the day will come when you will need no teacher. Why? Because you will be led by the Spirit again. He will teach you all things. You wouldn't need a prophet anymore because you'll get your messages direct from God for yourself. But for now, God's got to work on this repair job. So friends, God did not want a religion. He created a kingdom. Everybody say kingdom. And now you know what kingdom means. Kingdom means sovereignty. Can I challenge you a little bit to think? God says, let us make man in our own image and let him have sovereignty over the earth. Could you imagine you are sovereign? The Bahamas used to be under the British Empire. The British Empire, its original name is the United Kingdom. All of our colonial countries were under that united kingdom. And every kingdom has to have a king or a queen. And Queen Elizabeth has been our queen all my life. Now, what do you call Queen Elizabeth? When you go to England, they call her our sovereign. Why? Because she has a kingdom. Why? Because she got royal power. Therefore, she have dominion over the British Empire. What's left of it? <laughs> now, let me ask you a question. 
Where does she get her royal power from? From where? From birth. Good. She got it from what? Birth. Very good. In other words, her royal credibility was not given to her by somebody. It came through the bloodline. She was born royalty. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, that's me. Hit him, say, that's me. See, if God is your father, then you're not trying to be royalty. See, that's the problem with Christians, you see. Religious people try to be something they're not. That's why religion is so horrible. Because it makes you work so hard to try to be something that you're not. <laughs> we are born royal power. That's why God said, let us make man. He didn't create us from the dirt and the plants and the water and all the stuff like he did the animals and the other things. He said, let us bring forth, create this creature. And that word, let us, that term actually means to, pro, to, to produce. You came directly out of God. You are a spirit. That's why human beings are a mystery. Human, humus means dirt and man means spirit. It's a spirit name that God gave to man. So a human is a humus spirit. It's a spirit in a dirt body. So you are actually, literally, honestly, genuinely, absolutely, unmistakably God's material. Now to get you to believe that is my tough job for the rest of my life. Because once that begins to kick in, then you start dressing different. You start walking different. You start talking different. You start expecting different. You start believing different. You start thinking differently. Why? Because when you get a revelation of what you are, then who you are changes. You were created, young woman, to have royal power and to have sovereignty and dominion over the earth. God wanted a kingdom. Now, let's go to Matthew chapter 13. All that Jesus preached was the kingdom. That's all he preached. Jesus preached the kingdom. In this chapter of Matthew 13, we find him once again having a seminar on the kingdom. And here are his words again in parable. And he's talking about the kingdom. Verse 31. Everybody please read with me. It's very important to capture the focus of Jesus. He told them another parable. And he said, quote, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. He told them another parable. 
The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large lump of flour or dough until it is worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke these things to the people in parables. He did not say anything to them without saying it in parables. So is fulfilled that which was spoken by the prophets. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. I will utter things hidden. I will utter things that were present. That were there. Before you fell. In other words, because, oh listen carefully now, because what I want to tell you is so deep, I have to use language you could understand. So I'll speak in parables, in, in symbolic language, in parabolic similes. Okay, so when we read this, he's talking about what? The kingdom of God. He said, now the kingdom of heaven, this thing that you guys are supposed to be in charge of. He says, now because you lost it, don't understand it. I got to explain it to you and I got to give it to you in stories that you could relate to. Watch him now. He says, first of all, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Now, when I went to Israel, of course, every year we go to Israel and uh, we are amazed when we were introduced to the mustard seed. The mustard seed is a seed that is smaller than a benny seed. Benny cake. It's smaller than a benny seed or a sesame seed. It's smaller than a sesame seed. Very small, like a grain of sand. When you plant that, it grows into a big tree. So he said, look, the kingdom of God is that way. It, once you get it in a place, if you can just get it in a place and leave it there long enough, it begins to grow. And it multiplies. And then it says, and the birds come and they perch in it. In other words, it influences the whole environment. Second, he says it's like dough and yeast. The kingdom of God is like a person who takes yeast and put it in a dough. And then the whole dough is affected. He said, that's the way the kingdom works. Now, when you read this these two parables, what word comes out to your mind? What is the parable about? What's, what's it about? Okay, the subject is the kingdom, but what is the parable's principle? Influence. Write the word down. It's influence. The kingdom has to do with influence. So don't get too uptight about the flower and the yeast and the tree. That's, these are just symbols parabolically used to teach the principle of how the kingdom works. The kingdom works by influence. So in other words, a kingdom is that which influences a territory. Okay, so listen carefully now. I want to drive this home to you. Write this word down, earth. Write the word earth down. I'm going to give you the meaning of the word from the original. It's the word terra. It is spelled T-E-R-R-I-A. Terra. That word terra is the word earth. Now what does it mean? 
It means the physical planet. Write that down. Earth is the physical planet. Now this is important for you. So just obey me and write it down. It'll make sense in a minute. Everybody say earth. What is earth? Terra. Okay. This Greek word is used all through the Bible and the Old Testament as well as the equivalent as the transliteration of the Hebrew. Is this, this word earth, terra, it has to do with the, the, the physical planet. Write another word down for me, please. The word world. World. W-O-R-L-D. This word world in the Bible is translated from a word in the Greek and it's spelled K-O-S-M-O-S. It is pronounced cosmos. Sounds familiar? Cosmos. I didn't say C-O-S. I said K. That's the way it's spelled in the Greek. Cosmos. The word cosmos is the word we translate world. Terra is we translate the word earth. What is cosmos? Here's a definition. World or cosmos means order of authority. Order of authority. Secondly, the word cosmos means power of influence. Power of influence. That's the word cosmos in the Bible Greek text. Everybody say order of influence. Another meaning of the word cosmos is the word governing power. Governing power. That's the word cosmos. Very important. These two words changed my life. They helped me understand that book you got in your hand. It's a very simple book if you understand the basic principles. Now, how many earths do we have? One. one. You only got one earth. There are millions of planets, but there's only one we know as earth. Who did God give the earth to, to dominate? Man. So earth is supposed to be dominated, king dominated, sovereignly ruled by, royal power influenced by man. In other words, the earth is the, is the dead physical planet. It's dirt. That's the earth. The plants came from that dirt. The animals came from that dirt. So everything in the earth is dirt. <sighs> but then God took the earth, hallelujah, and he put a world on it. Are you still with me? You lost. Okay. What is a world? Read it again. What is a world? An order of authority. So God took the earth, which is the physical planet, and then he said, let us make man and let him be the cosmos on the terra. Let him be the world on the earth. The earth is not the world, and the world is not the earth. Get it clear in your mind. They're different. The earth has no power. It's just there. What happens to the earth is dependent upon which cosmos is influencing it. 
Are we getting it yet, Robbie? So, <laughs> if I go to the mountains right now and get some iron ore, and I beat out a knife, I make a knife from the earth, I make it. And I take that knife, beautiful stainless steel knife from the mountain or the rock. I can do two things with that knife. I can cut your throat or peel you an orange. Am I right? Yes. The knife is completely neutral. It has no power. It depends on who's ruling it. Are you getting it? So what's happening in your neighborhood ain't got nothing to do with the hood. It has to do with your neighbor. Trees don't commit crime. Animals don't rob banks. Hey. There's a world that God put on our earth. What world was that? The world of man ruling the earth for God. What did God have? God had a man filled with his Holy Spirit living in a dirt body on the planet with the assignment to sovereignly dominate by royal power the earth. That was God's simple mission. What happened? The man then did something. Stay with me. He disobeyed God. So the man became what? Unholy. So the Holy Spirit cannot live in an unholy vessel. So he left. Now the man has no contact with God. But he's still on the earth. Ah, but he lost the cosmos. You're getting it. What replaced the cosmos man had? Another spirit came in. Keep in mind now, kingdom has to do with cosmos. So this other spirit that came in is the disobedient spirit that fell from heaven. His name is Lucifer and he influenced the woman and the man and now this foreign spirit began to influence everybody say influence that's an important word influence the the raw material that God had on earth called man and now man is under a new order of authority a new cosmos a new world everybody say world Ooh, this is important. So now we got an earth with two worlds on it. So now the Bible makes sense, doesn't it? The Bible says that when you come to Christ and you surrender to him, he translates you from the kingdom of darkness, that's ignorance, into the kingdom of light, that's revelation knowledge. And he delivers you from the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of his dear son. These are words from the Bible I'm quoting. In other words, there are two worlds on the planet. One planet, two worlds. What is world? Cosmos. What is cosmos? Influence. In other words, you are either influencing the earth 
with satanic influence or with godly influence. It's up to you. I tell people there's no such thing as devil music. There's no such thing as a devilish car. Maybe we get these ideas, but they're wrong. See, that's an ungodly dress. No, that's no ungodly dress. That dress is nice. Yeah, but it's up to her hips. Hey, ain't nothing wrong with the dress. Something wrong with two things. One, she wearing it, and two, you looking. Ain't nothing wrong with this piece of cloth. The corruption is in who's ruling you. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Oh, Lord, have mercy. The Bible says, to the pure, all things are pure. If a pure man looks at a naked woman, his attitude should be different from lust. Ain't nothing to do the woman, nor the nakedness. It's what's ruling you. What spirit you are under. That's why Christ could be very close to Mary of Magdalene. The city was named Magdalene. She was named Magdalene. Magdalene is the name of the city. But she was such a famous prostitute, they call her Mary of. <laughs> I mean, she ran through all the brothers. Even the priests there. Eh? But that's why they couldn't stone her because, you know. <laughs> they bought the woman, but never bought the man, you see, because he was one of them priests. <laughs> Jesus could be friends with this woman and never there be a question about his morality in that city. Why? He says, because my kingdom is not of this, not earth, world. He says, you guys are in a world, I'm in another world, right in the same planet. But we got two different worlds. I'm right next to you, talking to you. He says, they said, show us the kingdom. He said, the kingdom is right with you. He said, later it shall be in you, but right now it is just with you. He said, Peter, you're in another kingdom right now. We're under two different governments, he says. To give two different sovereignties. That's why the Bible says you can be in the world, but not a part of its influence. Let me tell you what. Christianity is a religion that is so weak it's so jelly back. It ain't got no strength. That's why we want to leave earth. It teaches you to escape reality. Die and go to heaven, they say. That ain't what God intended. God ain't afraid of the devil. Greater is he that is in you, he says. And he that is where? What's the words? In that world. In other words, you suppose don't leave, don't leave. Beat him right in his own territory. No, not his own. Your territory. Go, don't let me start now. <laughs> we got Satan chasing us out of our own property. Two worlds, one planet. Two kingdoms, one earth. Psalm 115, verse 15 says, 
Can you turn for it? Psalm 115, verse 15. Prepare yourself for what you're about to read. You're about to read political stuff. It's God's politics. It says, Psalm 115, verse 15. May God be blessed. Who is the maker of heaven and earth? Verse 16. The highest heavens belong to the Lord. Everybody say amen. Everybody clear on that one? That's clear. What does God have? Heaven. Heaven is his territory. Don't fool with his territory. Leave his alone. The next statement. But the earth. Wow. He gave to his children called men. All right, I want to stress something very important here. Write this down. The earth is still the Lord's. Isn't that what it says in the Bible? In the Constitution? Yeah. The earth is still the Lord's. God never gave up the ownership of earth. Because this thing is not about really earth. Earth is not the problem God has. There's nothing wrong with earth. That's why God said I can move it and make another one. Because earth is not the issue. God can make many earths. He look at them planets. He got a lot of planets out there. God can millions of planets. Planets ain't the problem. It ain't the problem with the, with, the, with the dirt. It ain't the dirt. God said, what I got a problem with is the worlds that are on this place. He gave this earth to man. Man was given the responsibility to bring a cosmos on the terra. To bring a world on the earth. And we're supposed to bring the world. What is the world? The order of authority of God on the earth. That's why Christ says when you pray. Pray this. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On terra as it is in heaven. God does not want you to come to heaven. That's not his big deal. His big deed is to get you and stay on earth so you can make earth like heaven by bringing the influence of heaven on earth. Do you get it yet? So, the worst thing you could be is religious. That's why my message shall be in my deathbed as I die and leave this planet. I'll still be screaming at you. Don't leave. This ain't about leaving here. It's about changing here. Marijuana was made by God. That's a plant made by God. And God said, this is very good. Ain't nothing wrong with marijuana plants. Matter of fact, most of you are living off marijuana plants don't even know it. They give us oxygen too. <laughs> okay. Cocaine is made by God. The cocoa plant gives us oxygen. And God said to all these plants, this is very good. If he calls it good, it's good. The earth is just neutral. What makes marijuana so bad? It depends on which spirit is ruling the plant at the time. If a doctor rules the cocaine plant, it becomes medicine in the hospital. But if a dope pusher rules the plant, it becomes a killer on the street. Same plant, different governments. And that's why the Bible says we must go into all the world. Who told, he told us that? His people. He said, take every territory. 
Take the gospel. Of what? The kingdom of God. That's why God took you and put you in that job you don't like. That job you go to tomorrow that you wish you wasn't going to. God put, God set you up. Why? That place needs some yeast. Get it? In other words, where it is the worst is where God needs some yeast. Ask the question. If you got a job in the casino, should you take it? You got to serve alcoholic drinks on that job. Should you take it? Well, you're all quiet now. You're all quiet. It's an important question. You are offered a job or you got a job in a club. They serve drinks. In a hotel bar, they serve alcohol. Do you take the job? Is there such a thing as a Christian job? Good questions. In religion, there are Christian jobs. But in the kingdom of God, the Bible says he was known as the friend of publicans and sinners and wine bibbers yes. and prostitutes. That's where he hung out. Let me ask you another question so I can set you free from your problem. Who need to be influenced by the kingdom of God the most? A church service or the casino? Then your answer is obvious. Thank you, sir. We don't need you in here influencing us. We are already in. Then religious people told Jesus, Do you know who she is? His answer. Only the sick need a physician. (laughs) This is about worlds. It's about influence. And therefore, we find that God's original plan was to have his kingdom, his cosmos to rule earth. And it never changed. God wants to rule earth from heaven through his family of sons. Let me, this is just introduction, so come back next week. But let me give you a list of this. Is this good? You learning something? Tell your neighbor, I didn't know this. Come on, tell him. Yeah, sometimes you just don't understand it, hey? You've been a Christian for 20 years and didn't know that you ain't supposed to go to heaven. It ain't about heaven. Going to heaven is easy. Just go in front of a car and get hit. You go to heaven. No problem. Heaven is easy to get to. It's earth that's so tough. Lazy people want to go to heaven. And Christ prayed against that. You want to hear his prayer? In the 18th chapter of John, Jesus says, I pray, O Father, that you will not take them out of the world. But that you will keep them in the world, but free from the evil in it. See, I like that stuff. You know why God gave you that job? So you can bring the kingdom of God to that job. When you go to work tomorrow morning, you're supposed to say, this is my territory. 
I come to influence this whole place for God. When I leave here, it should look like heaven. Now how's that for an assignment? Rather than trying to get away from that job. Listen, God can move you anytime he wants to move you. He can promote you, any, God give you any job you want. God can do that. So wherever God got you, it's because the kingdom needs to be there. You are the yeast. One thing I like with yeast, oh, Pastor Henry, I was thinking about this. See, yeast is strange. Yeast, yeast looks so weak. You know, you put a bit of, you little pinch of yeast, you call it pinch. Little pinch of yeast. And the yeast looks, it's like little dirt powder. He said, no problem, see you in the morning. In the morning, everybody swell up. In other words, you on this job, people say, well, who do you think you are? You're your secretary. God said, no problem. Put a little secretary right there. Big office, big company. God said, no problem. Little secretary. Why? God is telling you, God is telling you, look, you really ain't got to work hard if you use kingdom material. Just be present. That's the power you get. Yeast got so much power. No matter how big the dough is, yeast says, I'm still in charge. When it's all over, we'll all see. You go to work tomorrow without fear. Stop feeling like it's too big, it's too overwhelming. Ain't overwhelming. You present. Once you present, stay in trouble. Everybody say, stay present. Go back to work, man. Sit there. Don't worry. God can promote you whenever he's ready. Promotion comes not from the east nor the west, but from the Lord, it says. He knows you there. He put you there. You know why some folks get promoted? Because they ain't doing the job where they are yet. I guarantee you, if you do your job and everybody around you become part of the kingdom, God will promote you move you away. Job finished. But you see, you went to work for money, not for yeast. God can bless you with money anytime he want to bless you. Every job I went into, folks watching the TV program and listening to these tapes, they know every job I had. They come back and tell me, man, I remember when you was a young boy at this job. I used to work for my lumber company. I used to work for the Ministry of Education. I used to work for the, for the, for the government nursery. I used to work for Paradise Island. Uh, everywhere I go, they always tell me, boy, you was a Christian from that time. And I used to remember what you said. I mean, you know, I used to pass it now, you know, because of what you said. I said, Really? Yeah, I used to laugh at you and teach you on that job. But man, listen, man, I just watch you all these years. You're so stable. You're so, they watch you. Yeast. Some of the members of this church now, they know who they are. Used to work with me, went to school with me, sat in the class with me. And I lived my life open to everybody. Ain't nobody in this country could say anything about me that is, that is, that is unseemingly good yeast. And in a small country, you got to be good to live clean. I ain't no sissy and I ain't got nobody baby. Period, brown, finish. That finished that. You got to live where God put you. And influence that area. Some of you are in a marriage and it ain't good. It ain't comfortable. It ain't exactly what you want to be. God says, stay in there. You know what it says? It says in the book of 7, chapter of 1 Corinthians, it says, if an unbeliever stays with a believer, tell the believer not to leave. Why? He said, because the, the believer will sanctify the unbeliever. Sanctify means to infect. Sometimes we don't stay long enough to change nothing. 
This is kingdom. It's two worlds. Let me just give you this list and then we're going to pray. I hope you're catching the spirit of this kingdom. You get it? First thing, every kingdom must have a king. You can't have a king without a king, kingdom. And you can't have a king without a king. Secondly, every kingdom must have territory. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I got to park here for three minutes. Can I park here? This is very important. There is no kingdom without territory. You cannot have a country without land. It's impossible, therefore, for you to claim you are a king if you don't have territory. I want you to think now. Okay. Who is God? God is the creator. Who is man? Man is the king. So God told man, I want you to have what? Dominion. Remember dominion, what does it mean? Sovereign, royal power, dominion. Kingdom, it means kingdom. Now, God couldn't tell Adam to have a kingdom without territory. So watch his words. Listen to the words. Listen to the words. Follow my words. He says, let us make man. That's the product. In our own image. That's the quality. And let him have dominion. That's the purpose. Let him have kingdom. Watch this. But you got to have territory. So he had to add over the earth. don't care how much time you walk around saying, I is, a change, I is a king's kid. I'm a man of God, woman of God. I praise God. I'm great. This. If you're still renting, you ain't on that property. Strange. Listen. It doesn't matter how much tongue you speak in. It doesn't matter how much anointing you get. If they could put you out when they're ready, you still ain't king. Are you getting it? You got to own the territory to be king. In other words, you got to have authority over the territory. Because it's Adam, I'm giving you the earth. Why? Because kings need territory. The heavens are mine. I'm king over that. But you take care of this planet territory. I want to stress something very serious here right now. And I said it to the first service, I got to tell you. The most important thing in our country right now is land. The most important thing in any nation is land. The first world war was fought over land. The second world war was fought over land. Israel right now, the Palestinians and the Jews are fighting over land. China and Taiwan is fighting over land. And the Bahamas and the foreigners are fighting over land. And whoever gets the land becomes the king. You better write that down and keep it in your spirit. Territory makes you the king. Not crown, territory. You got to have territory to be king. Wearing a crown without land is just a symbol. Talk to me. Queen Elizabeth is not queen anymore. She got the crown. 
But she lost the territory. All of us became independent. We left her. Come on, understand. See, that's why she's called the symbolic queen of the Bahamas. She got no power here. She's on our money, but no power. Why? Because she don't have the land anymore. I want a, I want a wise church. I don't want a big church. I want intelligent people who are dangerous. I want you to go after land. I know you ain't got a lot of money right now. You're working your job. Don't worry about that. Just put your mind on it. Say, Lord, I got to get some property. Because he who owns the land owns the country. Selling land is dangerous. Because you're selling your sovereignty. I will quote a scripture from one of the wisest men that ever lived. A powerful king. His name is Solomon. Listen to his words. He that works his own land shall be rich. But he that doesn't work his own land shall be poor. Wow. Listen to it again. He that works his own land shall prosper. But he who does not work his own land shall be poor. Can I interpret that for you? Practical. Solomon says, look, if you control your own land and own your own land and develop your own land and produce in your own land, you'll be rich. But if somebody else works your land for you, you become the slave of that person. You become poor. I know you're thinking, hey. Whoever buys the property becomes your master. I say to you, Bahamians, you local people, stop buying these fancy cars, these Nike shoes, expensive dresses and fancy suits, and go save some money, put it aside, take lunch to work in a brown paper bag, and buy a piece of property. I give it to you. Because you can't rule until you get territory. I mean, imagine. Imagine you worshiping God in your house, praising the Lord, having church service, and the man could come and put you out. My God is an awesome God, but he can't keep you in this apartment. Because he don't control the land. Why is it quiet in here? Young people, listen to me. You're young. Go for land. Start now. Get your down payment. Get it. That's when you become king. You know, my wife and I, I tell you, when I came from college, I had nothing. Nothing. N-O-T-I-N. Nothing. <laughs> huh? <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you call Miss Curlin on me, eh? Nothing. N-U-T-T-U-N. <laughs> Let me tell you, when I came from school, 
I had learned this from the Bible. Can I show you? What made me get lamb when I came from college? Turn to Matthew 5. Matthew 5. Jesus' first inaugural address. His first public statement. His first official sermon. You want to hear it? Watch this. And you think you know it, but read it again for the first time. He says, in verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is what? The kingdom. Okay, he said, the first thing I want you to get, the first thing, is not heaven, but the kingdom of God. Get the kingdom of heaven first. He says, if you are hunger in your spirit, God doesn't first give you wealth and riches. He gives you the kingdom. The most important thing for you to receive is what? Dominion's power again. Royal power again. Watch this. Next. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be what? Comforted. Do you know where the mourning comes from? The mourning comes from this. When you walk out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, you start mourning. You mourn because you realize three things. One, how stupid you was in that old kingdom. Number three, all the things you lost because you was in that kingdom that was in this kingdom you didn't ever get. And number three, you look at what you see in the kingdom, but your mind can't believe it. So you mourn. But he says what? You'll be comforted. You know why? He sends people like me into your life. I'm a blessing to you. Trust me. I'm a blessing to you. He sends me into your life to teach you how to change your thinking so you can believe what's in this new kingdom that's yours. But look at verse 3. Huh? Are you ready? It says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit. Now religious people say heaven. But Jesus never said that. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit real estate. Can you believe that? Look at that. Oh, I thought Christ wanted me to inherit heaven. I'm going to go to heaven. I'll fly away. Hey, wait a minute. He says, if you are meek, God going to give you earth. I mean, how do you deal with this? We don't like this verse because this verse is not religious. Everybody say meek. Write the word meek down. First the word does not mean weak. The word meek in the Aramaic, this, this, this point here, he spoke Aramaic. The Aramaic that Jesus spoke here, the word translated meek is from the words controlled power. Controlled power. Blessed are those who control their power. The word in the, in the Greek language here is the word discipline. Self-discipline or self-control. Blessed is the man who controls himself. Oh, hallelujah. If a man disciplines himself, let me tell you something, friends. My wife and I, when I came from school, man, my, my wife bought, when I married her, she had a Datsun. Them little small Datsun. Look like bug. We killed that car. We killed it. I know that car died. We didn't buy two cars. We wanted land. I lived with my mother-in-law for years because I wanted to save my money. We slept in one room together with our child in my mother-in-law's house. You talk about pride? I got time for pride. I trying to be meek. I didn't buy any new clothes. We kept that car, patched it up, we taped it up. Everybody laugh at us, but we getting our property down on west. 
We never bought lunch. No Kentucky, no McDonald's. We took that money and put it in the bank. We took sandwich to school and to work in the paper bag. I own property down out west. My house alone is half a million dollars. Ain't no church give me that. I had that before I became pastor. We killed a car for that. I had three suits and kept them clean, going to Ministry of Education every day, taking my own lunch. Everybody going downtown buying lunch. I stay in my office with my piece of sandwich. Why? They still renting. You get the message? It's about land. You know, I bought my first piece of property for $14,000. Today, that one piece of property is worth $76,000. From 14 to 76. So I've been buying land ever since I learned this. I got land all over the place. Ain't nobody's business. The first thing I did when I got this ministry, I said, Lord, I need land for the people. So we got 18 acres of here paid for. We got 57 acres in Andrus. You didn't know that. They paid for on the beach. Why? He that owns the land is king. There's a reason for my madness in this ministry. We just bought another piece right down the road. That shopping center down there, we bought that. I ain't got no money, but buy everything. I look at this piece in the back here by the lake. I can buy that too. He owns the land. Comes king. You can't speak if you ain't got no land. Kings have territory. So discipline yourself. Become meek. Buy some more property, brother Paul. My son. I mean, stop all this. Buy Converse, not Nike. No, go to Kmart. Pay less. I'm serious about this. Some of you have been walking around in these $200 shoes and then renting for 20 years. That don't make no sense. Discipline yourself. You know, in America, you're from America? Not from America. You're from America. You know, in America, the black people in America, you know what their problem is? They own no land. They live in New York for 20 years and rent flats, rent apartments all their lives. Die, die in apartments. And they keep wondering why they got no power. Our first government in the Bahamas, the first government we ever had, they had a policy that I really agreed with. And I still agree with it. It's a good policy. The first government we ever had. I didn't appreciate their social program. I didn't like their racism. But they had a good policy with regards to kingdom. I see you know, know the policy is. Hey, policy was, you want to buy land as a foreigner? We can give you a deal. We can give this land for 99 years. You ain't never going to own it. That's a good policy. Why? Our country will always have sovereignty over the land. That's what they wanted. When you go to Israel, you never lie. No one in Israel. Three million people live there. Not a one-owned piece of land, you know. That's law in Israel. You can't own land. 
You can build a house. You can, you can live on it. You can farm on it. But it's always the property of the government. Why? Because in the constitution of Israel, it's written that the land belongs to God. That's a wise country. That's why they're fighting over it to protect it so much. But what do we do? We do like Jacob. Esau, rather. We so hungry, we sell the boy right. I rest my case. A kingdom also has citizens. Every kingdom has citizens. What we got here is Christians. That's our problem. Every kingdom has a constitution. The constitution is the body of knowledge that regulates the entire kingdom. This kingdom we're talking about, the kingdom of God, the constitution is that book in your hand you call the Bible that regulates our lives. And from the constitution, every kingdom has laws. Those laws, they govern the citizens. Every country, every kingdom has them. God's kingdom is no different. That's why the Bible is actually not called the book of devotions. It's called the law of God. Let me say something about law and citizen, all right? Write this down if you can. Don't forget this, okay? Sister Eva, listen to this, Eva. Listen to this. A Christian is a religious person. But a citizen is a legal person. Remember that. That's why Christians don't get nothing done. Because a religious person functions on appeasement. They appease things. They appease God to get things. You know, religious, religion is, 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 is motivated by, by satisfying a deity. Buddhism, Hinduism, you know, Confucianism, Islam. I mean, everybody. They into pleasing this God. Just, you keep trying, you give fruits, you give prayers. You give, that's religion. Legal is different. A citizen doesn't appease their government. In other words, not because you treat the politician right doesn't mean you get rights. Y'all talk to me, man. There's a difference. You don't have to like the prime minister, and yet he still got to give you what's rightfully yours. Or you take him to court. You could take him to court. Why? The law is higher than the guy who distributes it. You only understand how deep. That's what's wrong with the church. We are Christians, and Christians ain't got no rights. They got religion. But a citizen is a dangerous creature because a citizen is a legal animal. Legal means that the citizen has rights. Do you realize that if you want to go on any beach in the Bahamas, you can go? Any beach, any beach. Life and Key Beach, you can go around the boat. Now, you see, if you go through the people's line to get there, that's trespassing. But once you get to the beach, they can't touch you. Because the law says in the Bahamas that every beach is property of the citizens. You didn't know that, huh? You didn't know that, right? I know. You drive down West Bay, you want to go on the beach, and holiday, all the beach full, and you figure I can't get no beach. You can go on any beach. If you can't get through because you might get caught, take a boat, go around, prep picnic on the beach. They can't move you. 
That's the power of a citizen. Now, a religious person got to go to the person who owned the land and beg him to let him through. See, you got to appease the people. It says that no beach is to be landlocked from the citizens. That's in our law. You didn't know that, see? Look, you didn't know that. Now, what's important about the fact that you didn't know that? Here's why. The same way, tell me why you didn't know that. Tell me why. Tell me. Why are you ignorant? Were you ignorant of what? The Constitution. Right. So if you don't read this, imagine how much beach the devil keeping you from. I have a dream before I die. My dream is to, is to make you change from being a Christian to a citizen. When that happens, I will say like Simeon, my eyes have seen the glory of the Lord. I can now depart in peace. Because being a Christian is your problem. You got to think, citizen, to live in the kingdom of God. I gave you a million examples and don't, don't miss next week because we're going to be real good. Remember that woman in the, in, the, in the synagogue? Humped over? Back problem? Jesus walks in the synagogue? Them old lazy religious people they're talking about it's a Sabbath day. You can't pray for her on Sabbath day. Religious people, man. Religious people. They don't do nothing. They wait for the feeling and wait for the day. Christ walked in there and says, Woman, stand up. And they said, oh my God, he's going to heal on the Sabbath day. My God, we got to do something about this. This young man always making trouble. Everywhere he goes, this Miles Monroe, just like Jesus, man, always causing problems. <laughs> and Jesus, the Bible says, knowing their thoughts, turned and said to them, is not this woman a daughter of Abraham? He went legal. He said, ought not this woman, who's a daughter, ought not means legal statement. She ain't getting healed because she's sick. She's getting healed because she ain't got no right to be sick. If she's the daughter of Abraham, and the law says that the children of Abraham, none of these diseases shall come upon them, and she got one of them, then legally that disease is illegal. That's what he says. So he came in and removed that which was illegal from the woman. But that takes what? Citizenship. That was not a religious act. Religious act says, it is Sabbath day, enjoy your sickness, lady. Just be nice. And for years she's been doing that. Coming every day to the same service, humped over, can't even look up, and enjoying the religious service. And in walks a king. Praise God. Let me go home. In walks the king, and the king says, this ain't a religious service, this is business. Woman sick, law makes it illegal. Woman, demand your rights. If you're sick today, you get healed today. Not from a religious prayer by us. It doesn't happen by that. It happens by your understanding. I have a right to be here. Because the kingdom says, none of these diseases shall come upon me. You know the Bible says in Galatians 3, it says, and those 
who are of Christ are also Abraham's seed and heirs to the promises that God made to Abraham. Y'all better shout amen. Everything that God promised Abraham is mine. As a believer, I don't walk. That's why your people don't understand me. I, I'm a dangerous man. Because I know my rights. Nothing is worse than a citizen that knows their rights. They are dangerous. That's what the kingdom is all about. Kingdom has governments. And the kingdom has the privileges, the code of ethics. There's so much more to share with you, but I tell you, I hope that you pick this up. Everybody say government. Isaiah chapter 9 says, For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given. The next statement says, And the government shall be upon his shoulders. What did Christ bring? A government. Where is it? On his shoulders. The shoulder is a symbol of weight. Where you carry the weight. Christ came as the son, wrapped up in the child. The next statement God says is, He bought a government. What is government? Cosmos. He bought a brand new order of authority. This whole thing is about a kingdom. And that's why we're here in this. Uh, for those of you who kept wondering why, you know, I named this building. The board didn't. I named it. I took the name. I said, this is what we can call the building. Why? Because I am brainwashing you. Yes, I am. You go down there, my brain washing. Yes, he washing my brain. My brain dirty. He washing it good. Praise the Lord. Yes, I washing the brain. My brain was washed and still being washed too. I was born in Bain Town and got dirt on my brain. Thinking small, thinking like a slave, thinking like a nobody, thinking like a, a scum, thinking like I can't do nothing. And then God washed my brain, and He sent me to go wash some more brains. And thank you for letting me wash your brain today a little bit. I appreciate you sitting here letting me mess with your brain. I want to wash your brain until you think like royal power and sovereignty. And you think like dominion and king. Can I hear an amen? Close your Bible and look at me straight. Just keep quiet look at me straight. Just look at me. We're going to close. Close your Bible. Time to go to your castle. Hopefully it ain't rented. Praise God. Tell your neighbor, I'm on my way out. Amen. I'm on my way out to my own property. Praise the Lord. Say it. I'm on my way to my own property. Confess it. Now you get what you're saying, this kingdom. Say it again. I'm on my way to my own property. Don't ever say anything less. Tell everybody who around you that you are living. When you go and tell them, I'm living here temporarily. I'm going to my own property. See, that's, that's what God told Abraham. This is about land. I got a land for you. Now, listen carefully. Look at me. What does this message mean to you today? Simple. Let's apply it. Number one, the kingdom of God is the influence of God wherever you are, through you. Number two, he sent you wherever you go to possess that territory. The neighborhood you live in is supposed to be influenced by you. The job you have is supposed to be influenced by you. This tape is a product of the Resource Production Department of Bahamas Faith Ministries International, a multifaceted ministry touching the first... Hi, this is Dr. Miles Monroe, welcoming you to the opportunity to transform your life. Did you know 
that you possess the power and the responsibility to determine your future and destiny. Did you know that you are the sum total of the choices and decisions you make every day? However, the ability to make the right decisions for a life that leads to your God-given destiny depends on your quality of knowledge. Self-development demands self-discipline. It is our desire to see your life transformed through the message on this tape. Prepare to receive as we join this opportunity to grow and expand as we inspire you and motivate you to achieve your greatest in God's purpose for your life. Sit back now and listen to a message that is designed to destroy ignorance and empower you to become an effective human on this planet as you inspire others to reach their highest potential. Let us join the seminar in progress. Concepts and characteristics of the kingdom. We are going to be very practical this morning. And we are also going to analyze from the word of God what God intended for us from the beginning. First, I want to remind you of a couple of things. Number one, that God's original plan was never to have a religion. And this is important for us to remember and to understand because religion has become more important than God. As a matter of fact, mankind has been worshipping religion more than they even worship God. We adhere so much to our rituals and our idiosyncrasies that we consider to be uh, rituals of holiness and righteousness. You would remember that Jesus himself, when he came to earth, rebuked the Pharisees for making religion more important than God. One of his statements made to them was this. He says, you have made your traditions more important than the laws of God. We have not been much different today. We have made religion so important that we've not even been interested in what God wants. We're more concerned about keeping our little religious rituals. Secondly, I want you to remember that God's plan for you was always rulership. Always rulership. This is basic to God. God never intended for you to be controlled or ruled by anybody, but his original passion was for you to be a ruler. And the third point I want you to remember as we address this subject of kingdom is that your destiny is king dominion. King dominion. In other words, God always intended and his future for us is to be a king over a domain. I believe that one of the saddest things that have come upon the world is the misconception of God's purpose for man. I've heard this often. People have said that man was created to worship. And I don't want to disagree with the, with the concept of that answer, but I'm concerned about the practical application of it. 
the fourth point I want to make is that the purpose of God is for Christ to restore his kingdom on earth. And that's what God always wanted. In other words, the reason why God sent Christ in the first place is to restore this rulership, this kingdom rulership that he always wanted. The work of Jesus, then, is a work of restoration. This last point I want to make as we look at some scripture is that because we've been created to rule and to dominate, then the number one purpose and passion in the heart of man is power. Power. Everybody in this room wants power. And if you say you don't, you are telling a lie. Now, why can I be so emphatic about that? Well, let me answer it this way. The passion for every bird is to do what? To fly. Every fish want to do what? Swim. You start them swimming, they're unhappy. <laughs> you take a fish out of water, it malfunctions. You take a bird out of the air and put him in a cage in your house as a pet, you got yourself an unhappy bird. And don't believe that that bird is tame. You let that bird out of that cage, he does what he's been longing to do all his life. What does a seed want to do? Become a tree. Built for it. So whatever God designs something to do, that's what it desires naturally. And when God created you, he was very clear as to why he created you. He created man to have what? Dominion. Not to have singing sessions. Not to have rituals. But it's very clear in Genesis 1.26. God had very clear motives for you. He said, I created you to have what? Dominion. Dominion means to dominate, to control, to manage, to rule, to have power over to have authority over. That means built into every one of you is a natural desire to have power. But look what I note in my notes. To have power over what? Our environment. That's what we want. We want power over our environment. See, that's why you get sick when you owe so many bills. Because you are not in control of your life. The Bible says that the Borrower is slave to the lender. Anybody want to be a slave? No, but you owe people money. So you are a slave. And that's why you can't wait to pay them off. And how do you feel when you pay your last payment on anything? Oh, I tell you, you ride around all day smiling. I mean, being good to everybody, right? Why? Because you taste a little piece of your natural self. You are in control of an area of your life. When the bank threatens you that they can call in a loan anytime, how do you feel? You can't sleep. You are uncomfortable because someone else controls you. That is natural for you to feel that way. Now, the reason why you want power is because you are designed to be in power. You are a kingdom creature. Say that with me. I'm a kingdom creature. 
Say it loud. Write it down. I am a kingdom creature. Kingdom means rulership dominion. King means to rule. And dom means to dominate. Kingdom means I am a kingdom creature. I am a power creature. Now I tell you something that I found interesting in life. Because we are designed to be power creatures, we try to power whatever we can power. We control people we can control. We enjoy being able to tell our children, go and come and sit and clean. And I mean, it just feels good. Some of us have kids just to feel that feeling. Doesn't it feel good? Take it, sit down. The kid sits down. You go, mm-hmm, right on. <clears throat> Boy, that feels good. Have somebody obey me. Because you're tasting power. How about husbands ruling their wives? You may wonder why domestic abuse is such a prevalent problem. It's because the male is, is enjoying the taste of what God originally intended, but he's using the wrong subject. Because in Genesis chapter 1, in the same verse, God said, let them have dominion, but he listed over fish, over birds, over trees, and over cattle but never over another human. But because we've lost our sense of responsibility because of sin, then we enjoy ruling other people. How about your feeling when you get promoted on the job? Why do you feel so happy that you finally got control over some people in the department? Because you taste dominion, power. Why do people sacrifice what they sacrifice to go into politics? I mean they go through difficulty to get a position, and they run for politics. Why does anybody want to be the president of the United States? Man, tell me. Oh, that's sweet power. Why do you want to be a representative, a senator? I mean, senator is nothing but trouble. You get paid hardly nothing, and you spend all these hours debating these bills, and, and you go home, and no one really cares about what you're doing anyhow. But the to walk around in that suit of a senator, and they call you Mr. Senator. There's a feeling. Power. Everybody. And I know you're not like this. You are different people. You are special. You don't want no power. You just, you just want to be whatever they tell you to be and do it. You, you, you. But me, I want power. I want to control disease over my body. I want to control my financial life. I want to control my mental ability. I want to be in charge of my own will. I'm normal normal. God knew this. Why did Jesus come to earth? I know you think he came to die on the cross and to give his life and to shed his blood to forgive you of your sins. Well, that's true. But why did he really come? He came to give you power. Remember what he said? He says, I will give you what? Power. Tread upon scorpions and serpents and all the power of the enemy. And then the Bible says he gave them what? Power. And they went out and they cast out demons, healed the sick, raised the dead. They cleansed the leper. And the Bible says they came running back to Jesus. And they were so excited. And they said, guess what? It felt so good. Demons obeyed us and we healed the sick and oh they were so excited Christ says I, and that's, that's normal kids relax don't get excited over the power get excited that your name is registered again in heaven 
What was his last promise to us? It wasn't the promise of worship, prayer. His last promise. Go to Jerusalem and wait there. For what? Your kingdom creatures. Your kingdom creatures. You shall receive what? Power. To do what? He says, when you receive power, you will be a witness unto me. I want you to listen to this statement carefully. He didn't say, you won't witness for me. You read that wrong. He says, you will witness, be witnesses unto me. In other words, if I claim to be a king, and you are telling people that I am a king, and you are in my kingdom, the way they will know that you are in my kingdom is not by singing, and not by dancing, and not by clapping hands, but by power. Some of you are getting it slowly. In other words, when you become debt free, you're showing an area of power. When you become health bound, I mean, sickness cannot stay in your body. And you live among people, they wonder, why are you always well? And when you get sick, you always get rid of it. What is your secret? How come you get the control over this area of health? Because of the power of the Holy Spirit, see? People are attracted to you because you have power. Do you know why we like to know rich people? Of course you don't. You're different again. I like to know them. Do you know why you want to associate with people who get a measure of success? Do you know why? I want to show you something. I'm about to show you something that may shock you. This is this week's 2001 June Newsweek magazine. On the cover is a picture of someone who I think you know. Who's that? Who's that? I think everybody in the world knows Tiger Woods. I was in Nigeria. They, they got pictures on, the, on their shirts with Tiger Woods. I went to South Africa. They, the little kids running around with Tiger Woods on the, on the... I went to England. They got Tiger... Everybody knows this young fella. And he ain't 30 years old yet. The guy is 26. But he's on the cover. Now, I want to read what they say about him. You're going to be shocked. It says, the killer instinct. Sounds like power. What it takes to dominate. Get close to the camera. I want the folks at home to see that word. See that? Where you, where, where's that word show first in the Bible? Genesis 1. Now, this young fella has obeyed God. I'm going to read for you the caption on the inside. I want you to see this. Some of you all think, Pastor Miles, I'm a teacher of this stuff. Look at this. Can anybody read it back there? Come on, those at home, catch it. What does it say? Say it loud. I can't hear you. Now, this man is considered right now the most successful golfer in history. Jack Nicholas quotes in this article. I'm going to quote Jack Nicholas. Jack Nicholas says, it begins, they all agree, him and a couple of the top golfers, with good old-fashioned hard work. 
there is no magic pill, no such thing as effortless grace. I like that. Effortless grace. Somebody say, I'm living by grace. You got to put effort in too, you see. Listen, they say, <laughs> at this level, I mean the level that he's at, talent is a given. But Tiger works harder than any other golfer out there. And that is why he is destroying the competition. He is dominating the field. This is incredible, eh? The world's greatest golfer seems to get better and better. How does he do it? He dominates his field. And the caption is what? God said, let them have... Let me tell you what. The reason why you want to get to know Tiger, I know why you want to meet him. Because when you get near to somebody who is what you would like to be, who has what you would like to have, and who has done what you'd like to do, you get to feel a taste of it just being in the presence. That's why you want even this autograph. You want to take a photograph, with, not with him really, but with dominion. I wasn't coming through. Now, this is incredible. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. The gospel of what? The kingdom. What makes Tiger Woods successful? They tell you. He is not the jack of many trades. He ain't trying to be everything. He found his gift. He connected with his talent. And his father, at age four years old, gave Tiger his first little golf club at four. Four. And... Because he noticed the boy liked to watch it on TV. And he was always holding sticks. And so he bought him his first little club at four. And every day, four years old, he took him out. And the little boy, he discovered his dominion gift at four. And never left it. Went to high school, went to junior high school. You know, but never left his gift. Until he dominated his gift. He was fruitful. Then he multiplied. And then he replenished himself. Duplicated himself wherever he went. And now he is subduing the whole area of Gulf. And therefore he is dominating his field. Power. Tiger Woods. 26 years old is now being invited by everybody to speak. He ain't got nothing to say. But everybody want to hear what he got to say. Why? We like to hear from power. My question, does anybody seek you out? Do they pursue you yet? Why do we look for doctors when we get sick? They got power. They've dominated an area. Why do we seek for dentists when we get problems with our teeth? They got power. They've dominated one area real well. Why do we seek a mechanic when the cars don't work? They really got power. We seek out power. When we get problems, we seek out power. Do people seek you out for something specific yet? 
Let them have dominion. I thought it was intriguing then to share with you some scripture about the kingdom power. Daniel chapter 7. It says, but the saints of the Most High will receive the kingdom and they will possess it forever, forever and ever. That's in Daniel chapter 7. That's the Old Testament. Daniel saw a prophecy of the coming Messiah. And he saw the future of the world. And he said the whole thing is about some saints receiving what? A kingdom. And they will possess it forever. Let's read. I thought interesting what Isaiah saw. Isaiah said, His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then he says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on the throne of David over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. He says, when Jesus comes, the Messiah comes, his focus will be two things. Everybody say government. Everybody say kingdom. Write those two words down, please. Two things that he will be pursuing. Government and kingdom. Not religion and churchianity. Government and kingdom. His entire work will be focusing on this thing called government and kingdom. Matthew. Let's see what Jesus says about it. John the Baptist's message was a simple message. Let's read what John the Baptist says. Now we enter the New Testament. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea. And he was saying, quote, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near, end quote. That's John the Baptist's message. What did John preach? The kingdom. What did he preach about it? It's near. Why? His cousin was already around. His cousin's name was Jesus. Remember, Elizabeth and Mary were family. And so John knew that the kingdom is here, somewhere around, and it's right in the crowd, somewhere around this, this, this river. Uh, the kingdom is near, everybody. Get ready for what? Kingdom. Get ready for what? Kingdom. Now, what was John's assignment? To prepare the way of the Lord. But look what John is announcing. He's not really announcing a person, he's announcing a kingdom. And he says the reason for the Messiah is because he comes to bring with him a kingdom. What is this? In, uh, why is this so important to us? Let's see what Jesus says afterwards. Jesus comes along. He says, come ye who are blessed of my father, take your inheritance. What is your inheritance? The kingdom which was prepared for you how long ago? Since the creation of the world. Powerful stuff. Hallelujah. I told God this morning, I just want you to help the people. Understand the simplicity of your will. Which is the kingdom. We make this so complicated. As a matter of fact, we are afraid to be kingdom people because it's not religious. 
somehow we have a, a guilt complex from our fall. And so we try to make up for it, not by grace, but by works. We try to do things so God can like us. And a part of that is why we like religion so much. We get involved in all kinds of stuff. Uh, I mean, we live for worship services, don't we? Well, maybe not you, the person next to you I'm talking to. I mean, you say, boy, I'm going to, the, to worship God. Well, what about Monday or Tuesday? What about all day at work? What about in school, in the classroom? What about in college? I mean, don't you worship God all the time? No, we got this thing built around a few hours in a certain place with a certain steeple, with a certain type of music, see? And we, we almost worship religion and forget about God during the week. Because we are not kingdom people yet. Let me tell you what kingdom is about. It's about citizenship. Are you always a Bahamian or an American? Sure you are. You don't, you, you don't be them once a while, twice a week. You are a citizen all the time. And your citizenship is always with you. And that's why you can move about in your country or in the world safe and protected by your government authority because you are a citizen. The same thing is true about kingdom. Kingdom is citizenship. It's not religion. So Christ says, this kingdom was yours before the world began. In other words, God created a kingdom first, prepared it for you. Look at that verse again. Inherit the kingdom that was prepared just for you. What is kingdom? Kingdom is governing rulership. It's power, dominion. It's taking control over an area and that's what he prepared for you. God didn't prepare heaven for you. He prepared a kingdom for you that would extend heaven to another area. Why am I teaching? This is practical for Monday. When you go out of your house, no. When you go into your house, no. When you go into your car, no. When you go into your bedroom, that's kingdom territory. And you must therefore think that way. You know, Matthew 4, 17, my favorite verse of the kingdom, is Jesus' first statement. From that time on, he began to preach what? Out loud? Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is near. In other words, John the Baptist started it and he picked up and he says, it's here. And that word near means has arrived. I came to bring the kingdom. Matthew 10, 7 says, as you go, talking to the disciples now, preach this message. Quote, the kingdom of heaven is near or has arrived. Now why I give you these scriptures? Because these are progressive. First, we read Daniel. Daniel says, the saints shall inherit the kingdom. Then we read Isaiah. Isaiah says, the government shall be upon his shoulder and there'll be no end to his kingdom. Then we jump over to the New Testament. John the Baptist says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it's coming. And then Jesus comes and says, hello, the kingdom has always been yours. And finally he says, it's here. That's what it's about. But the question is, what is a kingdom? And that's what we really want to talk about. Because everything is about a kingdom, eh? Matthew 13, verse 18 and 19 says these words. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. Well, when I read this and meditate on this this week, this thing jumped out at me because I never really noticed the emphasis Pastor Richard he put on this kingdom. In this, you know, the, the problem with the sower, everybody talks about the sower, you know. They talk about this guy sowing seeds. That's talking about preaching and, and you know, different people 
responding to the word different ways. But look at what Jesus said that the parable means. He says, and watch how he relates it to the devil. Oh, this is deep. Please don't miss this. This is heavy. He says, look, the parable is this. When anyone hears what? The message of what? The kingdom. And does not understand it, what happens? Then the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. What is the devil mostly afraid of? Read that. He is hoping that you keep it religion, you keep doing your rituals, but the devil hope you never understand what? The kingdom. Now some of you, you know, I mean, I was brought up, I was brought up a Baptist, I was brought up a, a, a Pentecostal, I was a part of the Brethren Church, I went to the Anglican, I was part of all the Assemblies of God, and they preached everything. They preached except the kingdom. I knew about the cross. They taught about the blood of Jesus. They talk about the power of God. They talk about, you know, they, 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 they got to live right and live holy. And, and they got into all this stuff. But he says, the devil don't mind if you learn about all that stuff. Are you all getting the point? Christ says that the, the point of the parable is for you to understand the kingdom. And Satan's got one goal. To do what? Snatch any opportunity for you to understand the kingdom. So right now, I'm telling you right now, I believe that the devil is in the Bahamas. Why do I believe that? I believe he's right here in the diplomat center. I know you're here. Because according to the word of God, you can preach anything else. But when you preach the kingdom, this guy gets angry. And I know there are big demons here this morning. Big principalities. I invite you to hear me preach. Because I got a power and authority over you scorpions and you serpents. Act crazy. According to Jesus, they could come because I got what? Dominion over them. The reason why the devil would even talk to you about not coming to hear this teaching. No, Pastor Miles, I've been talking with this king. See, that's the problem. That's the devil talking to you or you talking for the devil. Because the one thing he never wants you to understand is kingdom. Now remember, kingdom is not religion. So he's not concerned about you getting all the teaching on Calvary and all that stuff. Because Calvary is not the kingdom. Calvary is the means to the kingdom. Christ told Nicodemus, he says, except a man be born again. He cannot enter the kingdom. Born again is not the kingdom. It's the way into it. So preaching born again is not enough. You got to listen to the voice of Jesus carefully. He says Satan is after making sure you don't understand it. And that's why I have been given an assignment by God in my generation. And that's in life is preaching to, to, to Christians. Because I've got to help you unlearn some things and then learn some things. And boy, that's tough. Because sometimes people say, well, I want a good old-fashioned message of the blood. But you already saved. You don't need that. I need a good old-fashioned message on sin. A good old-fashioned message on holiness. No. Christ talked to, Christ talked to the 
to the to the self-righteous people about sin. He never talked to the sinners about sin. He didn't talk to his disciples about sin. He talked to the self-righteous. Those Pharisees and scribes who thought they didn't need God. Why? They had religion. They're the sinners, he says. I didn't come to, to save those who are well. He said, you think you're well? You, I can't help you. But his passion was for everyone to come into the kingdom. Because the kingdom is the key to your struggle in life. It gives you back power. It gives you back the thing that you're missing. It gives you back control over your own environment, your own destiny. The kingdom gives you back control of your life. And that's what you want. And even though you don't know how to, do, how to articulate that, that's what you want. That's what you're looking for. You know, do you know why you want to be a millionaire at 40? i tell you why. So you don't have no bills. You don't want to be controlled by anybody. And deep inside, that's really the thought behind that thought. Y'all look so holy. Why are you looking at me like that? I don't want to be no millionaire. I just want to pay my bills and just make him myself. Stop lying. You want plenty of money so you can fly where you want to fly, do what you want to do, wear what you want to wear, go where you want to go, eat what you want to eat, and be with who you want to be with, and drive what you want to drive, and go anywhere and stay as long as you want without having the people worrying about how you going to pay the room rent. Am I speaking the truth? Some of you are so spiritual now. The kingdom of God is practical. Every time you read, and oh, stay with me for the next few months, because you can understand. Every time Christ preached the kingdom, the Bible says, then he healed those who were sick. And then what? And then when they were hungry, he fed them. In other words, he had complete control. Every time it says he preached the kingdom of God unto them, and then he healed them who were sick. In other words, the kingdom of God was the point. And then he said, let me show you how it works. It gives you control over your environment. It controls your hunger. It controls your disease. It controls your need for water. It controls everything. That's why in the... Oh, when them kids came out of Israel, out of Egypt, that was kingdom stuff. Man, you know this? You ain't got to worry about water. It come out of the rock. Food come out of the sky. Health come from a serpent on a pole. Man, this is kingdom business. I like this kind of life. Do you know why they didn't make it? Watch this. Because they were so used to being in slavery. They couldn't handle freedom of dominion. Did you imagine having your, all your bills paid? Water at your command and food coming out of the sky and you still want to go back and work for Pharaoh? In other words, I tell you all at the beginning of the year that Jubilee is a tough place to live. It feels funny to not have bills to pay if you've been paying bills for 40 years. All of a sudden you're free. Some of you say, well, if I win the lottery, what about the lottery? If you win the lottery, you'll still be going to work. Because it's, it's not about not working. It's about understanding dominion. Christ says Satan is after one thing in your life. And that is to make sure you don't understand the kingdom. Oh, Hallelujah. He don't mind you going to church and singing in the choir and, you know, being an usher and being a deacon, even being a preacher. Just don't understand the kingdom. And you live your whole life under pressure and the burdens and the worry. And as a matter of fact, you die young from all these ulcers and, and tension and heartache and high blood pressure. Why? Because you ain't living kingdom life. You know what kingdom life does? It, it cancels worry. 
Why do you worry what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear? Isn't that why you're working? Yes. My father knows you have need of these things, but don't worry about them. Why? Seek ye first. Why? There he goes again. And it's righteousness and all these things are kingdom stuff. So if we're working hard for these things, it must mean that we ain't quite get kingdom yet. Huh? Look at Luke 12, 31. But seek ye first the kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Seek ye first the kingdom, and these things, you know, I was thinking about it, Brother Pat, listen man. You got to read the Bible 20 times to understand one verse, you know. I thought I know this book. This book is a brand new book to me. And it's been 31 times I read the book. You know what God says? He says, you don't work for food and clothes. You don't work for house. He says, just get in the kingdom. And these things will what? They will come to you. So if we are under pressure trying to make a living, it's because we ain't kingdom yet. Apparently, kingdom is supposed to be the answer to everything. 40 hours a week, we give someone else our time. And we give it in exchange for what? For money. So that we could do what? Buy food to eat, clothes to wear, keep a roof over our heads, so that we can pay some school fees. And we do that until we're 60. They give us a watch and then we die. What a life about it, huh? And then the rest of our time we spend in traffic going to the place. It's not God's will. Something's wrong with this. Look at the statement. Verse 33. Luke, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. His father is pleased to give you what? The kingdom. Not to give you religion. Let me, let me go through something very quickly here. That I want to share with you. Uh, what is kingdom then? First of all, a kingdom is defined in the Bible from a Greek word, basilia. And the word basilia means sovereignty, royal power, and dominion. I like that. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you what? Sovereignty, royal power, and dominion. Let me read it again. He says, it is the Father's good pleasure to give you what? The kingdom. Kingdom is what? Basilia. So Christ used this word. He says it's the Father's good pleasure birth, to give you what? Sovereignty, royal power, and dominion. Anybody wants that? If you want to raise your hand, let me see. Anybody want that? How many of you want sovereignty over all your bills? And how many of you want royal power over all your sickness and disease? Come on, say amen. Man. How many of you would like to have dominion over every problem in your life? Lift your hand up and say, Lord, I received that that promise, you promise, it's your pleasure to give me the kingdom. I receive sovereignty, dominion power, royal power over all of life right now in Jesus' name. Clap your hands believe that promise. That's what he came to do. All right, you know, I believe if, it, if you can't use it on Monday, then don't preach it on Sunday. So here we go. I'm going to give you the practical side of the kingdom. This is going to be important to write down. God's original plan then, of course, was to influence 
the world from heaven through his children. That's what the whole ministry of kingdom is all about. God wanted to rule the earth from heaven through his family of sons. Write that statement down. That's the entire purpose of the Bible. That's the message of God right there. God's message in contemporary terms is simply he desired to rule the earth from heaven through his family of sons. That's the entire purpose of God for man. He wanted to rule the earth from heaven through his family of sons. And that's it. And if you want to read anything with the Bible, understand it, you got to build, every, build everything on that statement. By the way, uh, you know, I'm, I'm considering writing a book. It's been on my mind the last three or four months. I want to write a book to teach every human, especially believers, on how to study the Bible effectively. I'll write a book on that. Because I want you to, to, to learn this important constitution you have in your hand. Now, one of the ways you study the Bible effectively, the way to read the Bible effectively, is what I'm giving you right now. Okay, this is People think that I'm deep. No. What I have learned is how to understand the basics. Once you understand the basics, you can interpret the complicated. I'm going to try it again. Once you understand the basics, you can interpret the complicated. When you talk to a mechanic or to a pilot or whatever, you got some pilots here, right? But pilot's a pilot. Oh, that's the, you, you, now you think flying a plane is very complicated. It's not to him. When they go to school, you take flying lessons, they put you in the classroom first, and they teach you theory. Now, theory is what? The basics. They teach you about aerodynamics. They teach you about how you use aerodynamics to get this equipment off the ground. Simple stuff. I mean, flying a plane is very simple. Don't worry about all those buttons. It's, listen, don't let them impress you. Ask them. It's very simple. All you got to do is get the engine to move at a certain uh, velocity that will be able to turn the aerodynamics principle so that there's lift. Once there's lift, you're off the ground. That's the principle. So, the Wright brothers figured out a simple principle. Do you know that Abraham could have flown a plane? Abraham could have, Moses could have flown a plane. There's nothing new on earth now that wasn't there when Moses was here. Everything they used to fly a plane was there in Abraham's day. The only problem is Abraham didn't understand what? The principle. He didn't put the things together. There was iron and steel and aluminum and there was wind and there was air. And there was gravity. Everybody was, was present, but they couldn't put it together. Now, what I'm giving you right now is one of the most important secrets of studying the Bible. That last statement, write it down. Once you understand the original purpose of a thing, you can interpret anything people say about it. For example, if you get the basics wrong, then you interpret everything else wrong. Can I give you an example? Suppose I read it this way. The purpose of God is to leave earth and take every man to heaven to live forever. Now that is a, a message people are preaching. But if you believe that, then everything you read in the Bible is interpreted through that basics. So when you read Revelation 21, it says that, you know, they reign on earth forever. You ignore that. Because as far as you're concerned, we're supposed to live in heaven forever. See? So you got problems with even the Bible. 
So if you get the basics wrong, you get the complicated wrong. People say to me, Pastor Miles, you don't preach on prophecy. I don't need to preach on prophecy. I know the end already. You read prophecy to get deep. And people use these things to impress you because you don't know any better. Oh man, he's deep, man. The beast and the eye and the horns. Ooh, All I know is that, you know, uh, God's establishing a kingdom. And there's a kingdom of darkness that's going to try to destroy it. But the kingdom of light is going to overcome the kingdom of darkness. And we're going to win. That's it. Now, the guy who can try, it's called the beast. And he can possess one fella. And they can try, whip us up. But we can whip them down. And we can win. That's simple to me. I ain't got to teach hours on no prophecy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not playing on prophecy. But if you understand the basics. The basics. So I'm telling you. It is about a kingdom. What is a kingdom? Well, here we go. Number one, all kingdoms are characterized by the following. Number one, a king. Every kingdom has to have a king. That means a sovereign, a person who rules in it. There's no kingdom without a king. Number two, every kingdom has to have a territory. Territory has to be, is to do with a domain. You've got to have a domain to have a kingdom. There's got to be an area that you dominate, a place, a, 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 an actual place. Now, heaven is God's domain. That's why the Bible says, uh, when you pray, pray like this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done where? On earth like what? It is in heaven. In other words, heaven is a kingdom where God rules, but God don't want you to rule up there. He wants you to rule on earth. So he says, look, the same way I'm ruling my domain, I want you to rule your domain. That's all the prayer means. Don't get deep on the prayer. He says, pray. What do you pray? He says, here's the prayer you pray. And when you pray, pray this every day, he says. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We are on earth like it is in heaven. He says, pray that. Why? Because that's what God wants. To pray means what? To pray means to desire something. To, to pray means to ask God to do something he always wanted to do. Prayer is not trying to convince God to do something you want. Prayer is reminding God of what he said he wanted to do. What does God want to do? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what God wanted. And so the territory is important. Heaven is God's domain. What is our domain? Yes, man. Psalm 115 verse 16 says, The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he gave to man. So if we don't dominate the earth, we are not fulfilling God's will. And the way you dominate the earth is by what? Kingdom life. If you don't live in the kingdom, then the world is dominating you. I, oh, I see scripts coming in my spirit. I mean, the Holy Ghost is doing stuff in my mind. Psalm, no. Matthew 9 says, and Christ saw them, the multitudes, and they were harassed like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers. And then he called them unto him, and he sent them out two by two. I'm quoting all the scriptures. And he said unto them with these instructions, do not go <laughs> to the Gentiles, but go first to the lost sheep of Israel, and say unto them, the kingdom of heaven has arrived. 
Okay, what was he seeing? Harassment. What did he saw them? Harassed. By what? Life. I mean, they go into work every day working hard and ain't happy. Everybody going to work working hard ain't happy. Everybody frustrated working hard ain't happy. Everybody going back and forth just acting like they're happy. Going to party but getting drunk. Having hangover in the morning. Going back to work. Coughing up, puking up. Everybody else. He said, man, this is crazy. He said, look, tell them there's a kingdom. The answer to our harassment, he says, is getting into this kingdom. Don't let the earth control you. Do you know what drug, drug addicts need? Kingdom life. How can a leaf control your life? Talk to me, man. A leaf is running your life from, from Colombia or from some other country. I mean, tobacco. Controlled by a leaf. You're supposed to dominate the earth. Not the earth dominate you. Huh? Kingdom life. So the reason why I don't drink and smoke and, and steal and all that stuff is because I'm a kingdom man. I've taken control over leaves. They don't control me. So I eat the ones that don't control me. I like lettuce. Anybody talking to me? Yeah. Now there are two ways to eat grapes. You can eat grapes as liquor or eat grapes as grapes. I decide to eat them in a way they can't control me. Clap. Good place to clap. I, trick, I take my liquor through grapes. Why? Because I am a dominator. I dominate this fruit. The Bible says, he that waited till the wine moveth in the cup is not wise. Proverbs 8, chapter 24. He that wait till the wine, what? Move it. That means it fermenting, you see? It moves. He said, don't wait till it move it. Why? It, it will, he said, for he who, he who partakes is not wise. A wise man, don't wait till the great drink move by itself. <laughs> Why? You're supposed to be a dominator. The Bible says, Woe to the lamb when a slave becomes king, and when its nobles drink wine in the morning. In other words, drunken MPs. The Bible is deep. The Bible says, If your MPs go to work drunk, they can make drunken decisions and drunken legislation and drunken bills coming in your drunken country. So the Bible says, The king should not drink wine. You don't want no half-cut prime minister making decisions for you? No president always half-cut coming in that making decisions for your children? Well, the Bible's deep, isn't it? It's right here. Why? It's about what? Kingdom. In control. When you lose control, you ain't in the kingdom no more. And this includes your sexual life. It includes your emotional life. When you let people play with your emotions and you can't hold yourself, man, you ain't in the kingdom. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will give you what? The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, self-control. His dominion over everything. His kingdom. Territory. Number three. Every kingdom must have a citizenship. Citizenry. That means subjects. Fourthly, every kingdom must have a constitution. That's the covenant. Every kingdom must have a covenant. And fifthly, every kingdom must have laws. These are principles by which people live by in a kingdom. And number six, every kingdom must have something. Must have a government. There's no kingdom without a government. What's, what's, what's a government? A ruling authority. Every kingdom must have it, alright? And, and every kingdom must have privileges. These are rights. 
This list is a very important list to write down because it helps to describe your country. And the same thing we're going to learn in the Bible is exactly what God teaches about his kingdom. And next, every kingdom, please press that for me, please, sir. Every kingdom must have codes of ethics. Uh, we call these conduct or lifestyle. And boy, the Bible talks a lot about this stuff, eh? Let me go over the list again because this is where we're going to pick up next time. But a king, every kingdom got to have a king. We know who our king is in the kingdom of God. Who's our king? Jesus says, I am a king. But my kingdom is not of what? This world. I'm not a part of these politics in the world. He says, man, I have a kingdom above them. My kingdom is out of this world. It's out of the world. And that's what he invites you and I to be a part of. But guess what? He says, the kingdom, that kingdom is yours from the beginning. We were not supposed to rule the earth from a kingdom from earth. We're supposed to rule the earth from a kingdom that's not of the earth. So when man makes decisions based on his own ingenuity, then we get laws and policies that man invent, which is what's corrupting us today. That's why Moses, when God wanted to create a nation, what did God do? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. What did God do to create a nation? First, he went where there was zero. He started with zero, Holly. He went and picked up slaves. God didn't start with no group of people who already had an organization, who already had a constitution. He started with zero. People who were slaves. He said, now let me create a nation and show people how to create nations. He created a nation with zero. He took slaves that were slaves for 400 years. He said, Moses, bring them out here for me. So Moses brought them out in the desert. God said, okay, tell you what. First, let's establish who is the king. Tell them I will be their God. They will be my people. That's kingship. Okay. Territory. He says, there's a land of Canaan. Milk and honey. That's where we're going. Of our territory. Third, citizenship. They will be my people. I will be their God. Citizenship. Constitution. Covenant. He says, come up to the mountain. And let's talk. What's God doing? Creating a constitution that is out of this world. Pharaoh had their own constitution. The Hittites, Moabites, Jebusites, Amorites, everybody got their own constitution. Babylonians, everybody got He said, look, Mo, my constitution, you can't write. You got to come in my office, come to the Mount of God, and I'm going to dictate to you my constitution. My what? Covenant. And God gave Moses... A constitution no one else has ever written. You know, when I went to college, they taught me about the Muhammadi Code. Anybody ever heard that word, the Hammurabi, Muhammadi Code? The Hammurabi Code is a code that they say was, was uh, written almost during the time of Moses, but they say that he stole it from Moses. Do you know, all of our laws we try and steal from Moses. Guess where Moses got his from? God, the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not steal. That, that ain't, we didn't invent that, that's our law, but that came from Moses. Where Moses got that from? God. Thou shalt not what? Commit adultery? Thou shalt not what? Bear forward. Don't lie. Why? You go to the courtroom now and you lie. They put you contempt of court, put you in jail. But that came from God, not from Moses. You get my point? This week, you are not supposed to live according to the laws of this land. You're supposed to live according to the laws of God, which respects the laws of the land, but not limited to them. Are you with me? The laws of the land may say, well, you can only go so far in life. 
the law of God says, you know something? All things are possible, so forget that law. <laughs> it's about in this business, you only can do so much, you know, success. God said, now you got to ignore that law because that's violating my law. Because my law says you can do. See, so there's some times when the law of the land ain't enough. So you got to be on. Oh, Jesus, man, I tell you, you understand what I'm talking about? The kingdom, that's why if you live in the kingdom, you don't live limited. He gave them their constitution. Every kingdom has its own covenant. Our covenant is our constitution of our country. In America, you got a constitution. That's a covenant with the people between themselves. But our constitution is a covenant between us and God. This book is our kingdom constitution. We obey this law. And any time a law violates this law, then we move a little higher into our kingdom and create problems for the other kingdoms, of course. Are you with me? Yeah. So when they say to you that people like you can't get promoted, you just smile. Because according to your constitution, it says, promotion does not come from the east nor from the west, but it comes from God. So if you are my boss and you don't promote me, then I appeal to my government upstairs and they will remove you. In other words, kingdom life is where God wants you to live so you don't be limited to the beggarly elements of the earth. And this last comment I want to make about privileges, we're going to get into this next week. Every kingdom has privileges. We call them rights, eh? In some countries, they call them civil rights. Well, the kingdom of God has rights like any other kingdom. And that's why the word is called righteousness. Righteousness means right standing with the government so you can claim your privileges. No good thing will the government withhold from you if you walk up rightly. In other words, you stay in line with the government. You don't disobey the government. What? Laws, principles. You violate the principles. The law says, you know something, you just shut down your privileges. The Bible says God does not hear the prayer of a, a sinner. That's not referring to the guy who ain't saved. <laughs> it's referring to the guy who say he's saved, but he's sinning. You violate the law. You know something? There are some people in the body of Christ who are illegal immigrants. <laughs> What's an illegal immigrant? Somebody who is in the territory, but they ain't got no papers. Oh, mercy Jesus. There's some folks sitting up in church, never been born again, never gave their life to the Lord, never gave themselves over to Jesus, and they come to church every day thinking that if they hang out with the saints, they'll be a saint. Going to McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger. Christ told Nicodemus, I know you were here at the temple. You go to the service every day. You wear your robes and you're in charge of scriptures. But except you be born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of This tape is a product of the Resource Production Department of Bahamas Faith Ministries International, a multifaceted ministry touching the four corners of the globe. If you would like more information about the ministry, 
products, conference schedules, brochures, catalogs, or ministry travel information, please write to Bahamas Faith Ministries International, The Diplomat Center, P.O. Box N9583, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, destiny is your choice. What you do not know could and is destroying the potential of your life. It's your choice. It's your destiny. you to the opportunity to transform your life. Did you know that you possess the power and the responsibility to determine your future and destiny? Did you know that you are the sum total of the choices and decisions you make every day? However, the ability to make the right decisions for a life that leads to your God-given destiny depends on your quality of knowledge. Self-development demands self-discipline. It is our desire to see your life transformed through the message on this tape. Prepare to receive as we join this opportunity to grow and expand as we inspire you and motivate you to achieve your greatest in God's purpose for your life. Sit back now and listen to a message that is designed to destroy ignorance and empower you to become an effective human on this planet as you inspire others to reach their highest potential. Let us join the seminar in progress. Understanding kingdom dynamics. Take notes, please. He that listeneth remembers 38% of it. He who writeth while he listeneth remembers 68% of it. He who listened to it seven times it remembers 98% of it. So when you finish, buy the tape. Listen to it seven times. Get it in your spirit. I live successfully in the kingdom because I know this stuff. My job is to get it over to you. Nothing is yours until you understand it. And the way you understand something is by repetition until it bursts in your spirit. And so you need to listen to this seven times over and over again. That's not a gimmick. It's not me trying to sell tapes either. It's trying to help you understand how the kingdom works in the body. If your mind cannot understand something, you cannot own it. So I'm the speaker. I know what I'm talking and I own what I know because I understand it. But you're the listener. So your job now is to understand it. That's why Christ says, let him that has ears to here, he didn't say you actually get me, he said let him hear. Sometimes you're listening and you ain't hearing. And that word here is there means to understand. Okay? Understand. Uh, when we talk about the kingdom, I want to begin with a couple of statements that I think might be helpful. Um, this series has been going on since January. And in this segment, I want to talk about rediscovering the original purpose and assignment of Jesus. Why did he come? And let me begin with a few comments. Number one, and write these down, please. These are principles. The purpose for man's creation 
was to administrate a kingdom. That is why God created man. God created man originally to administrate a kingdom. Number two, the fall of man was the lost of that kingdom. The fall of man was not the lost of heaven. It was the loss of the kingdom. And I think that's important to note because many of us are excited about going to heaven. When in reality, heaven is not God's focus. Third point I want to remember is that the promise of salvation and the redemptive work of God was to restore a kingdom. The cross, the suffering of Jesus, the death and the burial of Jesus, and even the resurrection was all motivated by God's desire to restore a kingdom, not God's desire to get you back in heaven. If I'm going to restore you to something, then I must first have a clear understanding of what was the store, what was your original state. And man did not fall from heaven, he fell from dominion. He fell from his kingdom status. The fourth point I want you to remember is that the fulfillment of God's will is the reestablishment of his kingdom on earth. Please write that down in bold letters. The fulfillment of God's will is the reestablishment of his kingdom on earth. That statement is very critical because the entire Bible is about God's will. And if we are going to understand what God is after, we've got to understand what God desires. And God desires to fulfill his will. We read a scripture this morning, and I was meditating on that chapter this morning. Galatians chapter, Colossians chapter 1. Powerful stuff in there. And in that chapter you hear Paul say, I pray that you will understand the will of God. And then in that chapter he says, he took us from the kingdom of darkness and placed us in the kingdom of light. And then he repeats it. He took us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. It's all about transferring from one kingdom to another. So God's will is fulfilled when man is restored back to the kingdom of God. The problem is we have been allowing religion to take the place of the kingdom. And we've even allowed an organization called the church to take the place of the kingdom. Some people are more concerned about being a member of a church than being a citizen in the kingdom. Kingdoms have no members in it. Kingdoms are governments. They are they are countries. Kingdoms are political regimes. Kingdoms are constitutional governments. So when God used the word kingdom, he knew what he was talking about. He was talking about governments. He was talking about a nation or a nationality. So God doesn't want members. He wants citizens. And citizens are different from members. We talked about that in our last session. The final point I want to drive home is this, that the program of salvation is to restore man back to the kingdom government of God. Everybody say government. Say it again. 
Whenever you think about kingdom, I want you to think government. You can write the two words down. Kingdom equals government. Kingdom and government are synonymous concepts. Kingdom and governments. Why did Jesus come? Let's see how important governments are. Now here's a verse that you all have heard if you've been in church for any time. Read it out loud with me together. Let's read it together. Everybody, go. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government, stop right there. Now where did that come from? Everyone talks about Christmas. Everyone talks about the coming of Jesus, how he was born, and the boy was born, and the baby came. And we keep thinking he came so that he could get us into heaven. But look at the first statement made about him. For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given. And the government shall be where? Upon his shoulders. Keep reading. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government. Stop reading again. Have you ever noticed that? He comes to bring not a religion. And I pause. Because growing up in the Bahamas is a religious experience. Jesus didn't come to bring a religion. There's the verse about his coming. It prophesies 2,000 years before he came. It says he's coming for this purpose with a government on his shoulder. <laughs> and when he brings it, there'll be no end to it and it will keep increasing. I want to pause right there and teach for two hours. Did you, do you all read the Bible carefully? Let me read that verse again. And the increase, not of his religion, but the increase of his government. In other words, he wants the government of the kingdom to keep expanding and expanding and expanding. Taking over the job, taking over the business, taking over the world, taking over the investment, taking over children, taking over youth, taking over all the money, taking over all the equipment, all the, the real estate. He wants his kingdom to keep taking over stuff. Let me put it this way. Jesus came to colonize earth. The same way the British colonized the Caribbean. And the same way the French colonized uh, uh, Haiti and, and Guadeloupe. And the same way the Spaniards and the Portuguese colonized Cuba and South America is the same way Christ wants to colonize earth. The British never left England. They just colonized everything else. The queen stayed in England. But the colonies came, became just like the British. That's why we speak English. That's why we drink tea. The French never left France, but they colonized Haiti. That's why the Haitians speak French. But they all came on the same boat with us. They are cousins. But how come they speak French? We keep English because the colonies were different. And the same way the French took over Guadeloupe and made them French-speaking, and made them eat cheese and wine. And the British took over the Bahamas, and made us drink tea and wear long socks. And the same way, the Spaniards took over Cuba, and they speak Spanish. And they eat Spanish falafel and all this funny stuff. It's because when a kingdom takes over, the territory looks just like the headquarters. The first thing that you do when you take over a territory is you send a governor. <laughs> Who ruled the Bahamas during the British colonial days? It was a governor. Where did he come from? He came from England. 
And his job was what? To convert the Bahamas into England. To make it just like England. So he made us drive on the left side, not the right side of the road, on the left side. Why? That's the way they drive. They also made roundabouts instead of streetlights. Why? Because they got roundabouts in England. They made us drink tea, not coffee. Coffee is an American idea. They made us take GCEs. That's a British exam. They made us study British English and British history. We don't know nothing about African history. They made us study their history. God wants to destroy your history and learn his. Ooh, that feels so good. God don't want you to know where you came from. He wants you to know where he came from because where he came from is where you came from. Oh, you can get that some other time. See, if he was born in sin, he said, forget that history. I got a new history for you. You were born in my image. That's the real history for you to learn. He came to what? Increase his government. Read the next of it. And peace, and there will be no end to his government. He will reign on David's throne and his kingdom. Man, this passage is full of these words. His kingdom shall what? Be establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on until forever. Amen and amen. Now that's the verse you should be reading at Christmas. It's a political voice, verse. It's politics. We make it major. It's politics. It's big politics. Christ came to establish a government. And what's so wonderful about it is he came to make you an ambassador. This is the only kingdom where the citizens are family to the king. And this haven't gotten through to your head yet. Because if you go to work this week and you got some difficulties, if your brother is the king, how could you worry? It's all relationship you need to think about. See, so we need to appreciate that God came to bring what? A government. Write that down. It's a government. Jesus came to establish a government and the government is called the kingdom of God. Now, I want to show you some comments made by Jesus that are mind-blowing, eh? Uh, these statements made by Jesus are amazing. Luke chapter 4. Let's read this statement. But Jesus said, I must preach the good news. Everybody say gospel. Now the word good news means gospel. What is the gospel? I must preach the gospel of the kingdom to other towns also. Why? Read it out loud. Because... That is why I came. I rest my case. Christ said, I didn't come to all these things you're talking about. I didn't come to start no church. I didn't come to talk about no membership. I didn't come to establish no rituals. I didn't come to talk about lighting no candles and having no services and all this singing y'all are doing. He said, that was not my purpose for coming. My purpose was what? To establish the kingdom of God. And look at the word must in that verse. Must is the, one of the strongest words in the English language and in the Hebrew language. Must means I am obligated to do this. To do what? I must preach the good news of the kingdom. What have the church been preaching? We preach all kind of stuff. We preach things like <laughs> born again. Let me start there where I'm getting little problems with someone. We preach born again. We preach 20 hours on born again. Why? 
Because we think that's the good news. The good news is not born again. Uh, God, Jesus only mentioned born again once in the Bible. Once he mentioned it. Once. Look at the TV. Jesus mentioned born again once in the Bible. Once. And he never mentioned it to the public. How do we deal with this? He never preached born again publicly. And he never mentioned it more than once. And yet pastors preach it all the time. Can you find in the Bible where he preached born again to the multitudes? He mentioned born again about 2 a.m. in the morning to an old man named Nicodemus who came to wake him up. <laughs> See, we have made the answer to the man's question the gospel. When in reality, the man's question was the gospel. Not the answer, but the man's question was the gospel. What was the man's question? How can I enter the kingdom? That was the man's question. And that is the reason why he asked it. Why did Nicodemus wake up, couldn't sleep, woke up 3 o'clock in the morning, disturb Jesus? Why would a man do that? Because the man was irritated. He couldn't sleep. He was haunted. The guy was being hagged. <laughs> Bahamian term, eh? He was being hagged. Why? Because all he heard from this young 30-year-old Jewish rabbi named Jesus for the last two years of his life, he'd been listening to this young guy. And every time this young guy came to his city and had a big crusade, he only preached one gospel. One message. The guy had one message. And he says the message was so wonderful that the old man couldn't sleep. And the old man said, I got to get into this thing. What did he hear Jesus preach? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like a man. The kingdom of God is like a woman. The kingdom of God is like a fish. The kingdom of God is like a seed. Kingdom of God, kingdom of God, kingdom of God. And Jesus was so, listen to me, man. Y'all listening to me? Let me tell you something. He was so bent on getting kingdom across. He tried every example you could think of. In case you don't know about yeast, he used seed. Don't know about seed, he used money. You know, money, he used a field. Field, then he used employment. Employment, you don't understand that? Then he used a man who had a garden. Then he used a man who had servants. Then he used a man who had talents. He kept using. He said, someone got to get it somewhere. Got to get it somehow. One message. The kingdom. You are not supposed to be religious. This week is supposed to be the most exciting week of your life. You're supposed to wake up tomorrow morning with a different mentality. The same way you feel proud when the golden girls won the gold medal at the Olympics last time. You were so proud in that living room watching television. You were glad you had a Bahamian passport, didn't you? Yes, you were glad to be what? A citizen of the Bahamas. But that's the way you're supposed to feel every morning you wake up. I am glad I got a heavenly passport. The Bible says your citizenship is in heaven. Man, that's your Bible. And you know heaven always winning the gold. Matter of fact, they walk on the stuff. Y'all praise him for a second. God don't wait till no Olympics to get gold. Talk to me, man. So when the golden girls win, you're supposed to say, huh? 
They ran for what I walk on. Sorry. In other words, your mentality is supposed to be, hey, my citizenship is with a government who's never broke, economy never falls apart, there's no crime. Man, you all talk to me, man. That's my country up there. And I represent my country on earth, and I'm colonizing earth for my country. And I am constantly increasing the expansion of the government. That's why we want to bring people into the kingdom. You want to expand it in everyone's life, in every territory, whether it's sports or music or media or in business or in the environment or politics. We need to keep on expanding the government. There's supposed to be a government in our government. Let me tell you, it's incredible that religion trains you to leave earth. Christ trains you to take it over. You've been taught, hang on until you get to heaven. Just hang on, the Lord's coming to get you out of all this mess. He said, no, no, no. He says, forget the word, I've overcome the world. You can overcome the situation. I found out something. God don't feel sorry for nobody. Oh, boy, it's tough to teach. I wish I could take my brain and put it in your head. My success so far in my life is not luck. It's a revelation that I have an understanding of who I am. And I'm trying to get you to see it. And you see, you ain't got no excuse because I'm Bain Town, Kanep, Juju, Picker. This ain't no mystery. And if you, one day days, it's going it to happen to you. Stay with me. Just stay under my teaching. One day it's going to happen to you and you're going to be a crazy man. A crazy, you can be just like me, crazy. You can believe nothing is impossible. I found out something about faith. When you get it right, you attract everything. Someone asked me the other day, uh, how, can you help me get my book where yours is? I said, I can't do that. I can't do that. Why? I don't know how mine happened. Except but by the grace of God. All that stuff you see there, it just attracts to you. It, it, it comes when you get the right revelation. No good thing will he withhold if you walk uprightly. And uprightly means stand in sync with the government of God. And all of you could experience the heights of life if you capture what I'm teaching. Christ says, I must preach the kingdom of God. Why? Read the last verse again, last night. Because that is why I came. Now, why is what? Purpose. The purpose for his coming was to preach the kingdom of God. I wanted to pause here. I can't get off this because we think he came, you know, little Jesus, meek and mild, you know, rocking in the cradle. Like, no, no. He said, I came to bring a government to take over the world. And I only want people who got revolutionary mentality. I feel like hitting somebody. You get what I'm talking about? <laughs> I know you're big and everything. <laughs> do, do, let me. Oh, oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Listen, man. We sitting around clapping and praise the Lord. That's not what this thing is about. Ooh. Christ says, look, if you can be a part of my kingdom, I want you to be violent. Because the violent take it. Man. This ain't no 
Listen, we ain't supposed to be, it's going to be deep now, coexisting with the world. We're supposed to take over. If you're working on a job, don't go there just to get a salary. See, if you go there to get a salary, then it's a job. But if you go as an ambassador, it's an assignment. Y'all still ain't get it. Y'all clapping, you ain't get it. You sure you get it? You clapping, you get it? Some of y'all hate your job. That, no, don't hate your job. God sent you on that job because it's an assignment. Now listen, uh, faith work it by knowledge and by love. According to your faith, so be it unto you. So if you got faith for this thing as a job, then you'll keep getting a salary. It's mental. How do you think? When you walk into your office or onto your construction job or go to be a mechanic at that shop or you are a teacher in that classroom, when you walk on that premises, you're supposed to have an awareness that I am on an assignment to invade this place. The salary is just you know, a little thing on the side that they, they throw in to keep me here. They won't pay me something. But I really come here to invade this place with the kingdom principles of God and to infect the whole system with the values of the kingdom of God. And I came to win the boss. If you own your own company, that's an ambassadorial assignment. God has given you a little embassy to bring in all the diplomats to convert them to the kingdom of God. That's what a business is. So, you've got to change your thinking. Do you understand? Should I hit you? How many of you understand this? I don't want this to be a spiritual thing that you can't handle, you can't touch. This is supposed to be Monday morning stuff I'm talking about. You're supposed to go to work walking in there with your chest out saying, you know something? My citizenship is not related to the economy of the Bahamas. If the dollar falls, dollar rise, economy fall apart, unemployment, it don't affect me. Because, man, he says, listen. Once you pay your tithes in the kingdom of God, that's the taxes in the kingdom of God, and then you give your offerings, that means you plan to invest in the kingdom of God, then the Bible says that when you do that, you have placed your treasure in a place where worm and moth, that means inflation, cannot get to. That means when other people are catching financial hell, you are having spiritual heaven. You, God protects his people. Let me tell you kingdom thinking. Jesus said to the children of Israel, he says, I will be your God, you'll be my people. Say, Moses, take him out for me. He said, but before I take him out, I'm going to destroy the economy of Egypt. That's what God said. And he wiped it out. He put blood in all that water so none of the plants could grow. He bought locusts, ate up all the crops. Now remember, uh, the economy of Egypt was built on agriculture from the river Nile. So if you mess the Nile up, you destroy the economy. God turned the Nile to blood. So what is he doing? Destroying the economy. Now stay with me. When you are in the kingdom, that's why you keep having pressure. Because you still, I'm talking to you, I'm talking to the person next to you, okay? You, you still have religious mentality. 
Those people were living in Egypt. The economy fell apart. The water was full of blood. The locusts came, ate all the crops, and no one could grow anything because everything was red, bloody water, and the whole thing collapsed. And the Bible says, God told Moses, it shall not touch the houses of the Israelites. Now that is is that impossible? How could a whole country collapse economically, but Satan houses get bread? All over, just certain houses. Now y'all don't get it. See the key? Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. He says, why do you worry, Matthew 6, about what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear, how you will live? He says, your father knows you need these things. Next verse. Therefore seek ye first. You know, I'm going to tell you all something. I have no fear of the economy. It doesn't matter what the PM do and the economic people do and where they travel. This is no problem. Why? Because my economics is not based on what's going on in the treasury or in the legislation. I already got a government already said I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed. Anybody righteous, hold your hand up and scream. Now, really scream like you believe you're righteous. See, you got to take yourself. Now, I, I know you got your job, and you want to love your job, and you should love your job. But stop seeing it as your source. Kingdom people are secure people. Religious people are worrying people. They're always tarrying, worrying. Kingdom people, I love Jesus, man. Jesus sitting down, eating a piece of bread one day. And the disciples heard a knock on the door. And they went to open the door. There was a guy there. Guess who he was? He was from NIB. He was from National Insurance. He came to collect the taxes. And Peter came back and said, Master, the tax collectors are there. And Peter said, by the way, we're broke. We ain't got no money at the moment to pay our taxes. Christ says, oh, yes, we do. Let me tell you why. Listen, it's going to bless you. Let me tell you why God allows you to run out of money. So you can start depending on the source you get it from. You can get it out from God. See, if you keep getting money from that same source, then you start thinking that source is the source. Ah, Christ knew the money was in the fish right out there in the water. He said, going to let theirs run out so they can understand that where they got theirs from is not the only source. The Bible says in Isaiah, he knows where the secret Dr. Miles Monroe, we welcoming you to the opportunity to transform your life. Did you know? 
that you possess the power and the responsibility to determine your future and destiny. Did you know that you are the sum total of the choices and decisions you make every day? However, the ability to make the right decisions for a life that leads to your God-given destiny depends on your quality of knowledge. Self-development demands self-discipline. It is our desire to see your life transformed through the message on this tape. Prepare to receive as we join this opportunity to grow and expand as we inspire you and motivate you to achieve your greatest in God's purpose for your life. Sit back now and listen to a message that is designed to destroy ignorance and empower you to become an effective human on this planet as you inspire others to reach their highest potential. Let us join the seminar in progress. something new you're not growing growth is always measured by change change always takes place when something new happens either to you or in you and so you can measure whether you're growing by learning something new it's very important for us as individuals to keep growing second statement to write down truth is progressive but not relative. I think all of us who have studied some form of philosophy know that there is a philosophy out there which teaches that truth is relative, and this is not true. But truth is progressive. The more you learn, uh, the, the more you begin to appreciate how much you don't know. And what we're going to talk about in this section, this session, is some information that will probably expose some of your ignorance and get rid of the rest of it. I hope you don't mind doing both. I want to be speaking on the characteristics of the kingdom. And uh, this session may seem to be not too critical, but I think it is probably the most important aspect of application of the concept of the kingdom that we are to study in. Basically, we're going to be talking about understanding the focus that Jesus had, why he taught so much and focus on this subject of kingdom life. And uh, let's begin with a few thoughts. Number one, write it down please. God's original plan was never religion. And that's a concept that we need to just clear in our minds. That's really a paradigm shift. Because we are all religious people. And I'm talking about everybody. Buddhists. Muslims, Hindus, Confucius, Scientologists, Baha'i faith, the Moonies, Unification Church. Yeah, there's a whole lot of religions, and I better throw in the part Christianity. Because Christianity has become just like all the others. It's one massive, complicated, ritualistic, religious experience. Religion is from the word which means to search. So religion is, a, is the description you give of a person participating in a search. So religion is an activity of searching. And that is why religion is so overbearing. It's, it's a search. You're trying to find something. So Christians are also being reduced to a search. 
That's why we're still not we. I used to be one of them. I'm no longer a Christian. I'm now a citizen. We'll talk about that in a minute. But religion makes you strive to please your deity. Uh, religion makes you strive to appease your deity. And these are important statements I'm making because they are so subtle. We have become just like almost any other religion in the world. We do things so God could like us. That's what other religions do or are afraid to do. They want to appease the deity. Isn't it strange that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you? So how can you try to appease him? But yet religion does that. Christianity, the religion Christianity, is a religion of keeping laws. It's a religion of keeping expectations laid down by an organization called whatever your denomination is. That's what Christianity has become to most people. Uh, this is why Christians are always tired. They're tired working so hard to not break laws. Suppose you spend the rest of your life living in your country, focusing on not breaking any law. How could you enjoy living in that country? Citizenship is not the focus on keeping laws. If you are a citizen of your country, you enjoy your country. You enjoy the environment. You enjoy the resources. You enjoy the atmosphere. You enjoy the culture. You enjoy the food. You enjoy the, the freedom to walk on the park or to go on the beach or to go swimming or, or to go and watch a game. I mean, you enjoy your citizenship. You don't focus on, I wonder which law I'm breaking now. Religion makes you tired. God's plan was never religion. Secondly, God's plan was for you always to rule. Always rulership is on his mind. Thirdly, your destiny is king dominion. These are concepts you need to get into your thought patterns. Fourthly, the purpose of God is Christ in Christ, rather, was to restore his kingdom on earth. That's why God sent Christ. Was to restore the kingdom on earth. And then fourthly, every man is searching for kingdom dominion. Now, this statement is loaded. Every man is searching for kingdom dominion. In other words, every man is looking for power over his environment. Please write this statement down. Christianity is a religion. Religion does not give you power over your environment. Religion gives you the tolerance to endure the circumstances. Religion also gives you comfort in the midst of your tribulation, your trials. It, it, it makes you accept your environment without the prospect of changing it. But the kingdom is different. God intended for you and I to be dominators of our environment. 
And I want to stress this power bit. Every human being in the world is looking for power. Every human being, 6.2 billion of them, whether they live under a bridge or they live in a palace, they have the same desire. They both want power. Am I right about that? Be honest. What do you really want? Tell the truth. And don't contemplate all that religious garbage about you want to be humble and you want to you know, just serve the Lord. No, you want power. And don't be ashamed of that desire. As a matter of fact, if you don't want power, something's wrong with you. Some of y'all look shocked already. I ain't started yet. Power motivates everything you do right now. I can prove it. Power motivates right now. Power motivates everybody. That's why there's corruption in the world. The corruption is not the problem. Corruption is activity that the individual participates in with the prospect of getting power. I want to prove it again. You want power. We got to settle this issue because if you don't settle this, you're going to keep denying the truth about yourself. You want power. Why is it every young person's dream, even the man sleeping in the gutter on a cardboard box right now, his dream is to be a millionaire at 40. Why do all of us think that? Now, we don't tell everybody that, but we think that. Anybody never thought that? Don't lie. All of you dreamt of being a millionaire. Is that true? Come on, hold your hand up. If you ever dreamt that, hold your hand up, please. If you ever thought of that, hold your hand up. Keep them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. Obey me. Turn us up lying. Lift your hand up. I'm, I'm disappointed. Oh, three millionaire. Okay. Instead of one millionaire. Yeah. We all want a lot of money. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. We don't want money. It's not money we want. We want what money promises us. Money promises us power. Power to wear what we want, drive what we want, live where we want, eat anything we want, buy what we want, go where we want, stay as long as we want, play the sport we want. I mean, just do anything we want. We want the power. Why do you try to be famous? And don't lie. Everybody wants to be famous. Because it's not fame you want. What fame gives you is what? Influence. And influence is what? Power. So that's what you want. So you try to become a good singer, a great basketball player, a great hockey player, a great football player, a great preacher. Same issue. Why? It's not the activity. It's what it promises you. What does it promise you? Power. Do you know why you want power? Because it's natural. You know, I'm going to say this to you. I have so much to say to you, but you can't take it now. But I'll say this much. What was the last thing Christ 
promise to you. Last promise. It's found in Acts chapter 1. He knows just what you're looking for. He promised you power. Not just power, but power over circumstances. He said, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Why? Because he knows that's what you want. It's power. Have we settled this issue yet? No, we still ain't settled. Some of y'all still ain't get it. I can see it. Power. Do you know why the poor people like Jesus and didn't like the Pharisees? Here's something crazy. Do you know why the rich people love Jesus and didn't like the Pharisees? Because the Pharisees and Sadducees represented religion. Remember now, religion doesn't give you power. It gives you toleration. It teaches you to tolerate your circumstances that you can't control. As religion does. So religion says, it's the Lord's will. For you to be like this. That's religion. So it explains why you shouldn't control your environment. But here comes this 30 year old rabbi. From this little town in Nazareth. And he has a message that's not religious. He's preaching this king dominion. He's preaching... Ruler domination. Come on, let's say it. Don't, don't get too spiritual about the word. King means ruler, and dom is domination. So a kingdom is a ruler that dominates. He says, You were born to be in a rulership dominion position. When the people heard that, they said, My God, you mean we could take control of our circumstances? So they followed him by the thousands. Why? He appealed to what their passion was. And every one of you get it. He appealed to their desire for power. And then, he then just demonstrated it and that made it worse. Because they didn't only hear him say you're going to have power, but now he said getting rid of disease they couldn't get rid of for years. Here's a guy, sick for 38 years, laying on a mat. And every time he tried to get up, people run before him. I mean, the guy is what? Helpless. His circumstances controls him. And he lays on a mat. And the mat becomes his prison. Here comes Jesus. And the Bible says he preached the kingdom of God. And then he told the man, what can I do for you? And the man says, I was laying here. I tried to get up. I can't get in. And Jesus says, well, what do you want? He says, I want to be healed. He said, good. Take your mat up and start carrying your mat. Don't let your mat carry you. You all talk to me. Clap. That's a good place to clap. What did he give the man? Power. Lepers, man. When you had leprosy, you had to tie a bell around your neck or a bell around your feet. A cow bell. Just like a cow. When you were leprosy, you tie a bell around your neck. They put you outside the city. You couldn't come in. And whenever you came close to a human, you would ring the bell so they would know you are leprous. And therefore, you were literally an outcast. You were, you were, uh, you were not able to socialize with the community. So to be a leper was to be an isolationist experience. Out of community. Christ meets these ten lepers in their own little, you know, uh, isolation, little colony. And he says, you guys need to go back to your family. I can imagine them saying, but we cannot control our circumstances. 
So he gives them what? Power. He takes away their leprosy. Gives them power back. All right. If you don't get this right, we can keep missing the kingdom. Tell your neighbor, I want power. Say it loud. Do you know why you get ulcers, high blood pressure? You get all kinds of skin disease. Do you know why you got cysts growing in your womb? You got lumps in your breast. And you got all kinds of problems in your sexual organs, brother. Do you know why you got eye problems and, and all kinds of chest problems and, your, and your, your arteries messed up? Do you know why you got some attention, your neck so tight and your back aching? Do you know why you sick? You sick because you ain't got no power. Let me explain what I mean. Nothing makes you more depressed and frustrated than not being able to pay your bills. The bank controls our lives. They control the car. They control the house. They control how much groceries you can buy because you got to spend the salary up into payment for the house and for the food. And sometimes you got to cut down the amount of food you eat because you got to pay more than one person that you may create a bill with. And sometimes you take home stuff that don't belong to you because it belongs to somebody else. You ever heard this? My paycheck gone before I received it. That's common. What does that mean? Other people control your lives. That's why you want to be a millionaire, hey. And so what do you get? You got worry. What is worry? Stress. Dr. Chris will tell you here this morning, scientifically proven, 97% of all disease is caused by stress. What is stress? Worry. What is worry? Concern about circumstances you can't change. Why do you think Jesus promised us authority over sickness and disease? He says it's kingdom. The kingdom gives you power over circumstances. Why? That's what you want. And it goes all the way back to your original assignment, isn't it? Genesis 1.26, you know it very well, huh? What does it say? And God said, let us make man in our own image and in our likeness. Next statement. Let him have dominion over what? Fish, birds, trees, plants, creeps. All on the earth. He says, you were created to dominate the environment. Kingdom is rulership over the environment. And whenever you cannot do that, then you become depressed, oppressed, suppressed, and compressed. And that's why he came to set us free. Power. How many of you could think of some things you want to do right now, but you can't do it because you ain't got the resources. Let me see your hands. Now, how do you feel about that thing? Frustrated, aren't you? You want to finish that church, man? That frustration is you ain't got what it takes. The resources. You got no power over the circumstances. Then you go to the bank, and then they start dictating the terms. Now you're under two prisons. The worry, now the stress. Then if they do give you the loan, they add interest to that, and then they put a little note. This can be called in on demand. That's prison. So the Bible says the borrower is what? He's a slave. It's dominion. You were not created to be dominated like that. You created to dominate. And so the kingdom of God comes to restore that dominion. This other statement here, the destiny of king dominion. Uh, it's, it's so important because 
power is what the kingdom promises. Now, I want to show you how the kingdom works. Very important here. Uh, Daniel chapter 7. Some of you never read this before in your life, so please write this down. Matter of fact, we think that the Bible really is a deep book. The Bible is a very simple book. I'm going to show you a couple of scriptures of who the kingdom was designed for. All right? But remember now, we are reading the Old Testament. Some of you think the kingdom of God is a New Testament subject. No, it's as old as Genesis 1.26. But here we see Daniel. Daniel got a view of the future of mankind. Remember, he got the revelations about the future. And here's what Daniel saw in Daniel 7, verse 17 and 18. He says, But the saints of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever, forever and ever. That's found in Daniel. You should read the whole passage, get the context, it's beautiful. He's talking about when the Messiah comes, he will create a nation of saints, and then Daniel says, the saints of the Most High God will do what? I can't hear you. Say it loud. Possess what? Not a religion. They'll possess the kingdom. How long? How long is forever? That means you cannot stay in heaven if that statement is true. Because there's no rulership in heaven for you. Check the Bible. No one, no human rules in heaven. There ain't no room there for you to rule. That place already under rulership. What is unruly is earth. He says, that is your destiny. The next statement I found very interesting. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 7. Eh? One that we read last night. Of the increase of his government... And peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from this time on and forever. When Christ comes, he says, he will bring what? A government. We did it last night. But look, look at what it says about the government. It says, the government shall increase and it shall never stop increasing. And then it says, he will uphold his government through what? Justice and righteousness. Now, write the word uphold down. Don't, that's not a it's not a complicated word, but you've got to know what it means. The word uphold means to maintain or to, to function by. Very important word. To uphold means to maintain or to function by. So when you put that meaning in there, the verse changes. It says, this kingdom that he will have, he shall maintain it and it shall function by two things. Justice and righteousness. Write the word justice down. The word justice is not a religious word. It's a legal word from the courts. And every time you read the Old Testament or the New Testament, and you see the word kingdom mentioned, it always has a word either next to it or not too far from it, the word justice. It says, and he will rule with justice. You ever read that in the Bible? All through the Bible. He will rule with justice. Everybody say justice. Say it loud. Say it loud. Write the word justice down. You got it down? The word means, ready for this? It means, <laughs> I love it. It means rights. R-I-G-H-T-S. This is important revelation. He says this kingdom will not function on feelings. Religion deals with feelings. Religion deals with emotions. Religion makes you hucka, 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 hucka. 
Religion makes you fall in the spirit. And religion makes you dance. And religion makes you feel the anointing. None of that gets you anything from God. This kingdom doesn't function on feeling nor emotion. It functions on what? Rights. Why? It's the literal government. When you go into the courtroom, friends, to get something in the court system, and you stand there in that witness box, and the judge begins to talk about your case, and your lawyer presents your evidence, and then you begin to witness. Now, here you are in the courtroom, you ever seen this? And you begin to break down and cry. You go, but judge, do you know what the judge does? The judge stops the court. He says, stop. Uh, we will now take a break for 15 minutes. Please go and compose yourself and come back. Why? This is not a place for tears. This is a place for rights. And rights are obtained by evidence of legitimacy. Man, you all ain't listening to me. In other words, the reason why your prayers ain't answered yet, you've been praying for some things for a long time, is because you think God listened to you because you come with a funny sound. Oh, Lord. Yes, God said, look, this is a legal kingdom. you got to bring rights to me. Do you have a right to what you're asking for? It's kingdom thinking. Let me tell you something. Listen carefully. And this is going to blow some of your religious minds. An all-night prayer meeting could do nothing if you don't understand kingdom. Hanging around the courtroom all night does not bring the judgment in your favor. I finished my case. You can, you can stay in the front of the courtroom for three days. And in three days, the judge said, what are you doing here? You got any evidence? Any view evidence? Do you have a right to claim what you're demanding? Look at that. He says his kingdom will operate on rights and righteousness. Write the word righteousness down. Very important. Why is this word always mentioned next to the kingdom? Seek the kingdom and its righteousness. Righteousness means, write it down, it means right relating. It means proper positioning. Oh, man. Look at that verse. He said this kingdom will function on two things. If you are positioned properly, you can demand any rights that's yours. That's the way the kingdom works. So if you are out of position, God don't even ask for nothing. Let me tell you something. You remember when Christ says, if you come and bring your petition before the king, and while you present your petition, you remember that someone has fought against you. He said, don't try to present that. Why? You are not rightly related. <laughs> I'm so excited about living, brother. Because I tapped into the secret of the kingdom. That's why Christ called it a secret. The secret of the kingdom is not your, your emotional crying, snot nose, running, moaning, altar, weeping, religion. The most frustrated people on planet earth are religious people. You might be sitting next to one of them. They are frustrated. And if they are honest, they'll tell you they're frustrated. Now they put on a show for a couple hours every Sunday. But they're frustrated because the life ain't working. Your life ain't working. 
Why? Because religion deals with feelings. But a kingdom is a government with a legal entity. You should go read the Bible all over again, see? There was a woman sitting in a religious organization for many years. You all, you all, you all remember this woman. She's an interesting woman. She was sick. She couldn't bend, bend up. She was bent over. She was sick for a long time. And she came every week to that synagogue. Why? Because religion makes you comfortable in your circumstances. Every week she came there, sat there. Every week. And these big, long row bishops called Pharisees and scribes stood there every day, read the scriptures, deep stuff written by Isaiah, and made their commentary from the Torah and the Pentateuch. And they, they, they were so deep. And the woman kept coming there with her sickness. One day the king came in. And they asked the king to read the scripture. That's a rough thing to do because now he ain't going to read it. Now he's going to demonstrate the thing. And he walks up to the podium, reads the scripture, and then the Bible says he fastened his eyes on the woman. The leaders began to get nervous and they said, oh my God, he's going to do something. He, I know he's he going to do something. And it's the wrong day. It's the Sabbath day. He's supposed to work on this day. And the Bible says Christ Knowing their thoughts, they might have been sip, sipping behind them, so he picked up something. He said these words. Now, he, he's about to set the woman up, all right? He said to the whole crowd and to the leaders, he said, which of you, if your ox fell into the ditch on the Sabbath day, would you not go and get him out? Of course, he saw them do it, so they couldn't answer the question. Now, in those days, an ox was like, uh, was, was like your investment. Because an ox was what the farm was built around. You lose an ox, you can't make any money. The ox was like your... your, your That's why you'd go in a ditch on the Sabbath day to get your ox. Because you, you, your, your whole company just fell into the ditch. So you got to understand the thinking here. So he said, well, this woman, and he pointed out, he said, this woman, watch this now, he's going to shift in the kingdom, thinking, is she not a daughter of Abraham? In other words, I don't care how she feels right now, I don't care how she's moaning, this has nothing to do with that, nothing to do with moaning, I'm shifting into rights. Is she a daughter of Abraham? Then if she be a daughter of Abraham, watch the words he uses, Ought not. Now that is a heavy word. She ought to be free from this infirmity. Lift your right hand. Say it with me. I'm a citizen. I ought to be debt free. See, you don't mean it. See, you put your hand down. Say it again. I ought. Let me tell you something. That hit me last year. And this year I'm debt free. You ain't get it yet, see? Still religious, man. I'm telling you, my friends, we ain't got it yet. It happened to me in record time. I still can't explain how it all happened. I'm debt free. I own my house. $600,000 house. Paid for. Own all my cars. Don't own nobody nothing. And the only explanation I got is kingdom. It got to get here. Lift your right hand and say, I ought to be healed. 
see, if you ask God for healing, you ain't going to get healing. You got to go in there understanding that I have a right to be healed. Come on, say it. I have a right to be. Say it again. I have a right to be wealthy. That's a different idea altogether. She ought to be free from this, he says. God is not supposed to bless you as a favor. That's religion, man. And I know it because I used to be in the religion. I was steeped. I was born into a, a, a pastor's family, a preacher's family. I'm a PK. I know I can write books on religion. I know how to keep religion real good. It'll kill you. Nothing is more exciting than the kingdom. Let me stress something to you. Do you know why Jesus said, go into the world and preach the gospel of the kingdom? Do you know why he said, go to the world? Because he knows what the world wants. They want power. How come all those unrighteous people love Jesus so much? They're attracted to, to what he was teaching. Power. Matter of fact, it was them who said, no man speak like this man. They said, the Bible says they loved his words. What, what, what kind of statement is that? They loved his words. In other words, they loved his message. He was promising them power. Could you imagine a, a, a peasant living in Capernaum under the Roman Empire, being forced to pay taxes? He had to carry the Roman soldier's shield, which weighs 70 pounds, one mile by law. I mean, the guy is a victim. Here comes this young guy saying, you know, you can could, you could control your circumstances if you come into this kingdom we got. You want to see you, 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 you want to see why Peter was such a bold man? One kingdom put Peter in jail. Locked him up, put him in chains. The guy had chains on his feet, chains on his hands. Locked in the wall, not cell. Stinking cell, man. And there were soldiers outside the cell, guarding the cell. That's one kingdom. There was a small group in a, in a little room praying to another kingdom. And they said to their government, this government has arrested one of your citizens, O king. And we got a problem with that. So that government sent their soldiers. You all better talk to me. And their soldiers walked right past the other soldiers, boom, kicked open the gate. And without a key that they made, unlocked the chain. And the citizen walked, stepped over the sleeping soldiers, walked out, pressed, not harmed, came to the prayer meeting, knocked on the door. And the people says, government answered that quickly? <laughs> Tell your neighbor, that's my government. You see, God ain't going to meet your need the way you figure it out. It's kingdom power. I said, that's kingdom power. I said, that's kingdom power. I said, that's kingdom power. When they tell you that you, you ain't going to get no more money, listen, that ain't time to panic. That's time to change governments. I rest my case. Matthew 3. I thought it was interesting. In those days... John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, quote, say it out loud, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is, now you never saw that before, 
That's what John preached. He had the right message. Notice the word near. <laughs> he was in the crowd. The kingdom was in the crowd. John said, I don't know where it is, but it's near. In a couple of days, I'll probably see it, but it's somewhere around here. He said, he said, change your mind because the kingdom is about to come in on us. Why change your mind? Because you see, there's only one way to pay a mortgage. That's payment every month for 25 years. That's one way. John said, repent. Y'all missed it, man. Y'all, y'all looking at me funny. That's deep. You're supposed to say hallelujah just now. Shout. See, you got one way to pay tuition. You got to find money, save it up, or get it from somewhere, or borrow it, and then you pay tuition. God said, no, change your mind. I got a way to pay tuition you ain't never seen. So you can't keep your mind in that old kingdom. Y'all don't understand what I'm talking about. Some of y'all already concluded you need money from the bank. You already concluded that. And God is saying, change your mind. You've already decided there's only one way to get healed. And that is certain medication. God says, change your mind. Everybody say, repent. repent. Hit your neighbor say, repent. repent. Hit him again say, repent. repent. There's only one way for a man who was put in prison to come out of prison. And that is you got to go to the local government. And you got to appeal to them and ask for his case to be brought up. And then you bring evidence that he wasn't guilty. And then you spend five days in the trial. And then you got to go through all kind of customs, all kind of instructions. Then you got to appeal and appeal and appeal and appeal. And if they decide, they let him go. God said, change your mind. I want you all to meet in the room and pray for five seconds. That's all you got to do. And I'll send some angels there, open the place, take off the cuffs, bring him out. There's another way to get a man out of prison. John said, it's near. Feed them. There's only one way to feed them. We got to go back into town. That's a three days walk. We got to spend money, buy enough for 5,000 rolls and 5,000 fishes. We got to feed these folks and I can take some carts to bring it back. We need some camels to tote the bread. We need to arrange three days walk so the bread doesn't spoil. We got to work hard and get the food back here. It's a banquet. He said, change your mind. That's the kingdom you live in, man. There's another way to feed 5,000 people. Lift your hand up. Say, Lord, what I'm going through, I have a right to be free. Fix it any way you want. Now, praise him for a second. It's kingdom. Stop telling the government how to do its business. It's a different world. Some of you cannot believe that somebody will walk up to you and pay your mortgage off tomorrow morning. You cannot believe that. No, you don't. It's hard to believe it because you're religious. It's tough to believe it. Matter of fact, you don't believe anybody can love you that much. And that's where you're mistaken. It ain't got nothing to do with love. It has to do with rights. Man, don't fool with me, man. Oh, hallelujah. You think those birds love Elijah? 
No, but they were sent to bring the cake. I've had people tell me to my face, you know, I can't stand you. You're so bold and confident. You come over arrogant. But I like what you're doing anyhow. Here's a check for $100,000. You've done that to me. Hey, boy, say, send them angels. See, the angels got to send them. They come, they don't know what to come. Here it is. I don't know. Here it is. It ain't about them. It's about the government sending them to bring it. I can't take this. I could. Oh, I got 10 minutes. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Look at this one here. Matthew 25. Look at that. It's powerful. It says, come you who are blessed of my father. Take your inheritance. What is inheritance? Rights. What is your rights? The kingdom. Which was prepared for you. How long? Not 2,000 years ago when he died. It was always yours. Before the earth was even made, this was yours. Oh, look at this verse here. It's powerful. Matthew 4, 17. From that time forth, Jesus began to preach. What? The kingdom of heaven is near or has arrived. He said, it is in me, but it shall be what? In you. Let me tell you something, friends. He says in Matthew 10, As you go, verse 7, preach this message. What message? The kingdom is near. He told disciples, I don't even trust you about what to preach. I'm going to tell you what to preach. God is visiting us again in this generation. He's saying, look, I'm sick and tired of what you guys are preaching. So I'm going to tell you again what to preach. Preach the kingdom. We're preaching all kinds of stuff. I've been cleaning out my, my files, just dumping sermons. He said, that's not the, he said, that's not the message. That's not the message. You become what you learn. So if you learn tolerance, you'll tolerate all this garbage you're going through. But if you learn dominion, you'll dominate it. It's that simple. As a man thinketh. Matthew 13, 18 says, Listen to me then. What the parable of the sower means. This is an important verse. Listen to this carefully, Pastor. Listen. It says, When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. No, you think you read that verse. Read it again. Read it again. Read the verse again. Read it again. That's the most powerful verse I've read for years. The devil is not afraid of your teaching on the blood. You listen carefully. He's not afraid how long you teach on prosperity. You listen to me carefully. He ain't afraid if you teach your people about faith. All the months of teaching on faith, the devil says, ha, keep teaching. I ain't afraid of none of that teaching. The only one he's afraid of is the one up there, Jesus said.
Yes, I know, Dwight. I can see your face. Isn't that amazing? You never saw it. Look at that. Right. It messed me up too when I saw it. He said, look, the devil is afraid of one message. He comes to snatch it away. He said, look, I don't care if they believe in healing. That's fine. As long as they don't believe in kingdom. Because see, kingdom gets your healing, but makes you keep it. See, you can get healed and get sick again. But when you get kingdom, you get it and you keep it. Because now you're dealing with rights. You get it. That's why Satan will fight this message more than any other message. Because this message moves the power out of the pulpit and put it in you. I'm going to say one more thing about religion. Write this down. Religion runs on control. Religion gets its satisfaction from controlling the people in it. That is why religious people hate this message of the kingdom. The Pharisees enjoyed controlling those people. The Sadducees enjoyed controlling those people. And Christ came and started meddling with their control system. He started telling those peasants and those farmers and those fishermen, if you follow me, I'll give you influence over men and women and families and children. I'll give influence over demons and devils and sickness and disease. And the, 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 the Pharisees say, wait a minute. Religion likes to control people. Look at the religions of the world. Look at them. Just look at them. Including Christianity. It's called mass control, mental control, brainwashing. This ain't about brainwashing what I'm teaching. I'm teaching you how to have your own government. Personal government. Where you have ruling in your heart the king of kings and the lord of lords. And as a citizen, he gives the authority to demand rights from your government to control your environment. That's what I call power. Satan hates that. Luke 12 says this. But seek ye first the kingdom. And these things will be added unto you. Do not be afraid little flock. For your father has been pleased. To give you the kingdom. God wants you to have the kingdom man. So. What is the kingdom? Characteristic. The word kingdom is the word basilia in the New Testament. And this basilia, it has three meanings. It means sovereignty, royal power, and dominion. This is serious stuff. Christ said, I came to give you sovereignty. I came to give you royal power. And I came to give you dominion. Well, sounds familiar? Let them have what? Dominion. He said, I came to give it back to you. Last night I showed you the yoke he was carrying. The yoke of the government. And he did what? He took it of him and put it back on you. Why? Because it fits you. You were made for dominion. Do you know why? Listen carefully, brother. A yoke that don't fit the animal kills the animal. So anything other than dominion is killing you. You're not built for worry. That's why Christ says, don't worry, don't worry. Stop worrying. Stop worrying. Why? Worry is torment, the scriptures say. 
torment what means what? Irritation until death. That's torment. The word torment means irritation until death. You irritate your neck until it kills you. For what is kingdom? It's my father good pleasure to give you what? Sovereignty. To give you what? Royal power. To give you what? Dominion. Come on, don't read the Bible like a religious person. Read it properly. He says it's my father's good pleasure to give you what? Read it. To give you sovereignty. To give you royal power. And to give you dominion. That's kingdom. It is my father's good pleasure to give you what? Sovereignty. No man, that's too deep. Some of y'all do. I'm going to stop right now. i got two minutes. So listen good. Some of you believe God is threatened when you say you're sovereign. God gets excited when you start acting sovereign. I'm going to control my circumstances today. God said, boy, you're just like your pa. Come on, clap your hands. That's a good place to clap. Hallelujah. You say, man, Aren't you afraid of that big situation? He said, no, I'm not afraid. You, you so, you, what do you think? You think you, you control everything? Yes, I do. And then God says, that's my boy. She's acting just like he daddy. Boy, look at that. Controlling situation. Yes, sir. Hey, boy, say, it pleases the Father. To give me authority. That's why when Jesus knelt in that, in that, in that river and came out of that water, the Bible says, the Father says, this is my son. I'm pleased with this guy. Why? He speaks to winds and to waves. And he's not afraid to speak to a tree and it dies. He's not afraid to walk on water. The guy is nuts. He's just like his daddy, man. He believes he controls the whole thing. We're victims, man. We're victims and we're calling it Christianity. This is kingdom business. Sixty seconds. All kingdoms are characterized by the following. Number one, a king. Number two, a territory. Number three, a citizenship. Number four, write them down fast, a constitution. Number five, every kingdom must have laws and principles by which it functions. Number six, every kingdom must have a government. That means the ruling authority system. Number seven, every kingdom has privileges. That means rights and benefits. And number eight, every kingdom has code of ethics. That means there are precepts by which you must live, conduct yourself. I call them moral codes. Every kingdom got these things. You can't wait to get one. And every kingdom has this... Important issue. It has an army. We're going to deal with that later on in the week. Because the army is, 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 is the sweet part. <laughs> Write these characteristics down, please. And I'm trying to teach you now why the devil don't want you to learn about this. Write it down. Every kingdom has the characteristics of what? First, it has an economy. Secondly, it has an army. Thirdly, it has authority. Like every other kingdom has an authority. Fourthly, every kingdom has communication systems. Fifth, every kingdom has educational systems. Six, every kingdom has health programs. Seven, every kingdom has ambassadors. Eight, every kingdom has security systems. I love this one. Woo, don't, I wish you learned that one before you leave. Number nine, every kingdom has a commonwealth, of, a commonwealth system where the, the, the wealth is distributed equally among the citizens. Number ten, every kingdom has a social life. Number eleven, every kingdom has a culture. Number 12, every kingdom has a purpose for existence. And number 13, every kingdom has an ideology. 
This list will blow your mind. Please write them down. That's the characteristics of the kingdom. Every kingdom you study has these elements in it. Which means that in the kingdom of God, you've got to study and learn these elements in your own kingdom. Give you a brief example. Number one, every kingdom has an army. Let me show you how getting revelation can change your life. You couldn't take that anyhow. I don't know if you could take that. You ain't ready for that. You think y'all could take that? I want to close on this. You think you take a little piece of that? A little piece? You sure? Everybody say citizenship. Now, every kingdom has citizenship. Let me ask you a question. In, a, in your country, in your kingdom, you are a citizen. Who's the army? And that's where you're wrong. All right. You're about to get revelation. See, guess what's wrong? The church has been claiming things it's not. I'm going to ask the question again. If you are a citizen, who's the army? Uh, no, I'm talking about your, your country. The army is a group of people who are no longer citizens. You all ain't listening to me. Shake it. Look at me. These five seconds are going to change your life. When a person joins the army or the navy or the marines, they are no longer citizens. Okay, let me explain it to you. Explain it to you. <laughs> they distinguish anyone in the military with these terms. He's not a civilian. Don't miss it. Because the person in the army <laughs> protects the citizens, fights for the citizens, defends the citizens, serves the citizens, and does what the citizens want. They become the servant of the citizens. Citizens, write it down, do not fight. You stay with me for a second. Citizens are not the army. Ron, Ronnie Wexler, you, you understand. You used to be in the army, right? You know, when you're in the army, you wasn't a citizen. You couldn't do what you feel like. You, would, you did what the government told you to do. Are you all listening to me? The devil don't want you to get this. And remember now, he hates the kingdom message, so he's going to steal it from you. He can make you dive and sleep. Listen carefully. A citizen simply enjoys life. When your army is out fighting, what are you doing? You're playing golf. You're drinking a nice tall glass of lemonade. You're watching TV. And, you, and sometimes they show you them on TV. They show you on TV, CNN, they fighting. What are you doing? you drinking Coke while you're watching them fight. Something's wrong with that. Citizens don't fight. Who is the army in the kingdom of God? It can't be you. You're the citizen. So now you have to go back and read your Bible all over again. The army is the angels. Shh. We're about to destroy religion again. That means never again should you ever say we are the army of the Lord. It's not in scripture anywhere. It's in your religion. 
And that's why you're tired. And that's why you're sick. And that's why you're frustrated. Because you're fighting, man. You're fighting stuff you ain't supposed to fight. Job preached the right gospel to the people in the islands. Preach the right gospel to the Indian, man. Go and repent. Change your, your message. It's the kingdom. What are we doing? He said, well, well we're we, we going to have a prayer meeting. And we're going to do warfare. Warfare? What are you talking about? Now, I know I'm going to get in trouble for this, but prove it to me in Scripture. That's religion. Let me tell you what, what citizens do. I'm already closed. You can check that tape up. Listen, let me tell you what citizens do. Listen, listen. Listen to me. The police in your country are military. The Navy, military. When you have a problem, someone breaks into your house or does something that assaults you, what do you do? What's the power a citizen has? The citizen picks up the telephone and calls the government and say, look, I got some problems here, and I need the soldiers now. Now watch this. Listen. No, no. Sh listen. Don't get excited. Here. Listen. They don't come. They don't come. When you call the police, they don't come. This is amazing to me. You ever wonder why the police has on the top of its car a siren and lights? Why? They don't just want to come to you. Lord have mercy. They don't want to just get there. They want to get there without hindrance. So they put on this. You make them put on their siren. You make them put the lights on. And they tell everybody, move out of the way. Why? Fletcher just called. You're looking at me funny, man. Excuse me. and Bless myself. They don't just want to get to you. They want to get to you fast. And when they arrive, here's their first question. What's your problem? Some of y'all didn't get it yet. Daniel had a problem. Daniel said, I got some situation here. I don't like the circumstances I'm in right now. It's a bad situation. So Daniel picked up the telephone and called the government. He's a citizen. And he told the government, I need some situations changed down here. Immediately government sent the secret service with the answer on the way down the angel ran into traffic and he couldn't get through to the citizen and so he called the commissioner of police Michael Michael said what's the problem he says they're blocking traffic and Michael says it was Michael fighting Daniel was just waiting on the answer. Just waiting on the answer. It took 21 days. Daniel never fought. Because citizens don't. Don't scream yet. And when the angel arrived, just like any police, the angel says, I have come because of your word. Tell your neighbor, I got power with the government. Close your Bibles, clap your hands, and praise God. My time is gone. I thank you for yours.
Stand up on your feet. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to call right now. Come on, take them hands, put them in the air, and start picking up the telephone. I want us to give a call to the government. And let the government release some angels, some soldiers, release some police to come take care of some situations that you've been dealing with. Come on, stop fighting and give orders now. The Bible says that angels, are they not servants to serve those who are heirs of salvation? Come on, talk to your policeman. Tell them, go to work. Fix this and fix that and change this. He has given his angels charge concern. Oh, God, help me. Open your mouth, talk on the phone. Don't look at me. Call, make your own phone call right now.